Visit Arcade Club in Bury, Greater Manchester, the largest gaming venue in Europe. Set on two floors featuring over 250 original arcade machines, from Space Invaders right up to the latest Japanese rhythm games. There's also pinball machines, retro modern consoles, top-end PCs and VR stations. For just £10 entry or £15 for both floors, you can stay as long as you like and everything is set to free play. It's open Thursdays to Sundays with free parking, two licensed bars, two kitchens and fair price. And there's no need to book, just turn up for an awesome day out. Hello and welcome to the Tempence Arcade Podcast. My name is Victor Marland, aka Vertvic. And I'm Sean in your face, Holly. In your face. In I your said that face for a while. Indeed. You, right, Vic? you tend to beat me a lot on games, but you've just been—you've refrained from giving the uh, in-your-face treatment, which I yeah. probably deserve. You've beat me on something recently. What was that? I can't remember. It's not often I do that sort of thing. Was it a marmite eating contest? Oh no, I wouldn't win on that. No. Was it riding? Yeah, could have been. Riding. Might be. Yeah. I'm not bad at riding. Not not bad. Mm. Not as good as Charlie. Far people like that. Before we continue with the rest of our conversation, we have a little bit of addenda and errata. We don't often have this because we're usually perfect to what we do. We don't need to apologise for what we've done. But we were talking about some games from 1986, I believe, last time. Yeah. And one of them was Gladiator. It's not by Tower Plan. What game was you thinking of? Guardian. Ah, it's a similar name, isn't it? Because I, I, I had the same yeah. thing in my mind. Um, they're both licensed to Taito, and both are suitcases of sh- <laughs> uh, we've not done the Dendra and Arata song I know Pie Factory no, we're not allowed to do they're going to slap us with a writ or something if we're not careful we, um, could, we could slightly alter it and they would no, never know I don't think so Gladiator mm. is an absolutely terrible game it's the one with the really big sprites and when you hit each other it's like an armour you've got armour in hits you know you're sort of gladiators and the bits of armour fall off but it's really badly animated it's really clunky and you get hate beaks coming nicking your helmet into the it's not good. Oh, it's horrible. I think Guardian's not a very good game either, is it? No, it's a similar to Zane Sleena's on a sky scrolling. It's a sky scrolling. Sky scrolling. Yeah, and it's on alien planets, and you can pick your planets like you can on Zane. Knackered planets or nice planets. Some of them look in a in a bad way. Yeah. Hmm. Any road? Uh, have you been up to anything interesting apart from sweltering and blistering in the sun? Yeah. I have. Wife just hit me on the head with a flute. She hit you on the head with a what? A flute. A flute. A flute. Well, a, a fluted something or, or a proper flute. What we were doing at the bedroom, and we was moving the the wardrobe, big old wardrobe, just so we can get behind it. And I sort of leant down to push the wardrobe, and wife opened this top top drawer. There's a drawer above the wardrobe, right? And this big old case containing a heavy metal flute fell out of it that she's had since school, <laughs> and it whacked me on the head, and then whacked me on the hand, and it's it's cut me hand. I've got like arcade hand, but but um, obviously um, it hit me on the head. There's no no sort of problem there, but my hand's a bit sore. What was the flute case like? Was it okay? Uh, yeah, I think it was all right. It's quite unusual that you know, because because Jan's usual weapon of choice is a harp. <laughs> harp. She usually twats you with a harp. Yeah, it's sort of bigger, isn't it? Yeah. Boing! 
does try to trump it, but it's, you can't get a good swing with the trumpet. It's a bit unwieldy. Not really. I've got yeah. a thing about jazz instruments to talk about later on. Have you? Mm. Anyway, what I've really been up to, that's a true story. Yeah. What I've really been up to, I've been Arcade Club twice in the last two weeks. For One for Retro Dave Nintendo's birthday party. Met up with him and a couple of his what mates. What day was that on? That was Saturday the before now Saturday. Yesterday, Saturday, or the last Saturday. 23rd. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because there was a special birthday yesterday. Yeah, yours, weren't it? It was. 52, Vic. Well done. 833 eons old. I've not got you anything this year. I remember. Then I forgot. Then I remembered. Then I forgot. So I'll get you some beers when we next meet up. You're rubbish. Never mind. I had some fun anyway. It's okay. So what happened in Retro Dave's Nintendo birthday bash? Was there lots of Nintendo goings on? Uh, No, he's he's just bought a Time Pilot cab, so he's well into Time Pilot. And he beat his his personal best and beat me at at the arcade. What? And he's got two versions. He's got one downstairs with a Monroe stick. Oh, right, yeah. one upstairs with just a standard eight-way. Yeah. And Dave was doing better with the eight-way, but I was doing better with the Monroe stick. Right. The, the competition we had was on the eight-way. Because I was talking to Retro Dave in, in Alex's last little meet-up, and he just bought it then. Mm. And it, it came in a bit of a state. It came from America, and there was quite a few things wrong with it. And he yeah. wasn't too happy, but he must have got it sorted now. So well done, Dave. Yeah, and last night there was a bit of a mini UK VAC meet. Oh, Roger Cantor came up with a couple of his That's mates. That's right. They all decided to go up there and not celebrate my birthday with me. Cheers, lads. <laughs> Rich Stryker. Who else was there? Danny Frothmeister, not obviously from the South, but he came across. Oh, nice. Ben, ben76, he is Jimmy, Chris, Mooncrester, bootleg. Yeah, I knew I knew a load of guys from, well, most of those guys from the South were going to go up, and they did ask if I wanted to go, but I obviously had stuff to do here. Mm. It was too hot to travel. Yeah, so it, it was a good evening, and all the locals were there, like Troll Nads and Mark Appy. You local! Yeah, it was very nice, and... The last thing I've been up to is a nice long country walk around the sides of the country I've put. Countryside, countryside. I'm confusing myself. Yeah, I went around a reservoir, a lovely, lovely nice walk. Yeah, it's lovely. I've been doing a bit of that, you know. Now we've got this silly dog. We go for little walks Mm. places with him because he likes to be let off the lead and he can just zip around and run around like a maniac. And just across the road from us is Hounslow Heath. I know there's a little park there, but you go through the park and keep going, and there's like 200 acres of scrubland. Wow. It's all, it's all path, pathways, grass pathways to go through and stuff. And there's all sorts going on there. And wife saw an adder the other day. Mm-hmm. That's the only venomous snake in the UK. And the dog oh, sniffed it. right. And then one I dog. thought, right. And we also an ad- saw a munt jack. It's a little deer. In there, there's loads of wildlife. There. We see rabbits all the time, magpies, loads of stuff. And I saw a stag beetle the other night. I didn't even what? know they were relative to the UK. What? Where? Outside, flying. Ooh, I sat in the back garden. They're, they're about two inches long, and it was flying in a really weird way because most beetles can fly, but you wouldn't think a, a big ass stag beetle could fly. It can. Are they the ones that come come out of mummies' mouths in films? No, that's scarabs. Black oh, stag beetles are really black. They're like leather. They've got really big pincers on the front. They got. They look like a stag. They've got like antlers on the front of them. They're huge. 
So what's the difference between a scarab and a stag beetle? A scarab is usually smaller and they're quite bright coloured, like green and gold colour. Right. I think a scarab might just be a, a name for various beetles, but they're the colourful ones anyway. You could use one of their shells for, for arcade buttons then. You could, it looked beautiful. Lighty up <laughs> scarabs, squishing when you press them. No. I've been off for a whole week so far, so I've been doing all Oof. sorts of stuff. Not a lot, really, because in the UK at the moment, we're having a bit of a heat wave, aren't we? Yeah. We're yeah. not used to I'm not sure if it's as hot as it is where you are in the north as I am in London. In the London. The London. Yeah, it it's is It's been hot. 30, 32, I think 34 degrees one day. It's been sweltering. I'm quite hot now, actually. So I've not mm. been doing a lot. I've not had a lot of motivation to do stuff, especially from goings on in the garage lately. It's a mess in there still. I've got another week off. Have you? Oh, yeah. Another week off. Just at home doing stuff. We we did a few little bits and bobs, but not a lot. We're not going anywhere in particular on holiday. Just sort of staying off. And, uh, yeah, just been doing bits and bobs, really. So I went to see Nine Inch Nails last weekend. Wife mm. went on Friday, which was at the Southbank Centre, which is part of Robert Smith's um, thing he's curating at the moment. He's doing a load of music. There's like a sort of mini festival going on at the Southbank. All of his favourite bands. Any more dodgy 80s games? I don't think he's doing them anymore. He's Robert grown Smith out of that. And the, and the Curious Leg. Yeah, stuff like that. But Wife yeah. loves Nine Inch Nails. She went to see that, really enjoyed it. And a friend of ours came up to stay with us because he's going there. And then we went to see Nine Inch Nails again. I didn't go to that one, but on Sunday. And I didn't really want to go. I think our mate Jake Smith was there as well at the Royal Albert yeah. Hall. And I didn't really want to go because I liked Nine Inch Nails like 20 years ago. I'm not so keen mm. anymore, so it was a bit of a bit of a waste for me. Really, I was quite bored, to be honest with you. Never mind. Mm. It's been hot, hot, hot. Yes. Uh, I've been trying to get into the brave of the weather and get in the shed to get all the stuff tight. That's where I keep most of my storage stuff. Um, loads of PCB, faulty PCBs off that raid in there. Loads of stuff lying around. I'm trying to get rid of those, so I'm sort of getting them all lined up for evaluations on UK VAC and selling a few to a few. I've sold a few already. And I've also swapped some for a working board and also swapping some others to someone who will fix some boards for me. So there's no payments going on. I'm just going to give them these knackered boards and say, well, have them and fix my ones. And uh, hopefully he'll be able to fix them for me. It'd be quite good because he's quite a good fixer, repairer. So that'd be quite nice. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's quite good, that. It's, it's sort of a, a, tr- a cashless trade and it'd be quite nice. So the first, another thing I've been doing is is fiddling around with Circus Charlie. I've got various Circus Charlie PCBs. I've got a a bootleg one, which doesn't quite work. It sort of works, but it's got fuzz in the background. I think some graphic problems and no sound. I've also got one that works nicely and sounds good, and it's an original, but there's sort of big pink blocks around most of the sprites. So you can play it, but it's just pink chunks everywhere. It's got to be like a a really simple fix. But I haven't really worked out what it is yet, because I'm not good at fixes. I can sort of do stuff now and again if I guess things. Or, you know, just check ROMs and stuff, make sure they're not corrupt or whatever. So, and this other one, I swapped three broken games for a working Circus Charlie. When I got it here, I got it home, I left it a few days before I actually had a go of it. I plugged it into a cab in the garage wouldn't boot. It's just had this mm. this junk on the startup screen. And my one that works, or nearly works, has the same thing. But obviously this, the junk on the screen is just for a brief second and it gets loading, gets going and, and plays the game. 
So it must be something simple. So I said to the guy in the UK back, it's not working. And he was like, no, no, it was. Honestly, I promise you it was working. I don't send faulty boards. You know it's a worker. I tested it. I said, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what it is. So I sort of messed around and thought, what I'll do is I was going to check the EEPROMs on my slightly broken one. And I did this one at the same time. So I took five of the EEPROMs out. The first five I took out, checked them. They seemed to be okay. Put them back in again. Tried the board. It worked again. Just reseated the chips. Yeah. That's what it was, oh, I think. Really? Just one of them was, I think when I put one in, it was reporting on the screen at the start that one was bad. So I cleaned the legs off a little bit and poked it back in. And I think it might be the socket, because the socket on Konami boards are rubbish, apparently. They're not very good at all. And the same guy who I swapped this with has been fixing one of the games I gave him, which is a track and field. And he's replaced 21 Fujitsu EEPROMs, because apparently Fujitsu were the worst EEPROMs ever. So if you ever have a board yeah. that's got <laughs> Fujitsu EEPROMs, and there's something wrong with it, it's probably those EEPROMs. But the sockets they sit into aren't very good either. So, yeah, hopefully he's going to fit. I think he's got quite a way through fixing it so far. And my Circus Charlie is now working lovely, so I'm happy again. It's good. Well, that's good. Oh, I also went to see an arcade pinball friend of mine, Alex, Harry Bolt. Remember we talked about Harry before? I think you've met Harry. One of the shows. Yeah, I met him at, yeah, at Arcade Club a couple of times now. Yeah, yeah uh, he was at the 606 Jazz Club because he yeah. is a jazz pianist yeah. by trade. That is his career. And I know Harry quite well. I've never actually heard him. I think I've heard him play in the background when he's been you know, practicing, when I've been helping him out with his machines or whatever, or doing some stuff. And I sort of hear it. And when he's in another room, it just sounds like he's got the radio on. You know, it mm. just sounds like someone's, someone's playing some music. And I've never been to see him before. And Alex has been before. And I thought, Let's do something different. So last Thursday, I went. It was quite hot. Um, I went to it's a, a club in Chelsea. It's quite a nice little club in Chelsea. I've never been there before, obviously. Met up with Alex. And we went there. It was red hot as well. Um, I even put a shirt on, Sean. What, with a collar? Yeah. What, what's Short the... sleeve shirt. Nice black one. It's not very often what's... I put a shirt on. You sure it wasn't just a T-shirt with a with a piece of cardboard sticking out the top? No, it was like a, re- a, car- a real shirt. I wow. looked. I looked at the bell of the ball. Anyway, <laughs> it was um, it was actually a CD release. It's Harry's first album release, right? Uh, and I don't think much of jazz. I don't. You know, I wouldn't ever buy any jazz. I wouldn't go to jazz. I wouldn't put a jazz radio station on. But Harry said it's going to be good, and Alex said, "Yeah, he's really good. Come along." And we went along. We had dinner as well, which was quite nice. A drink or two. Uh, and he came and he played for quite a few hours. There's an interval in between. Absolutely brilliant. Really, yeah. really good. Yeah, he's he's really good. And the rest of his band, they had a violinist, uh, a drummer, and a double bassist. And they also had a, um, a saxophone guy came on as well, just to do a few numbers. Saxophone. <laughs> and they're just a brilliant collection of musicians playing really well. And the guy, because Harry impressed me, because anyone who can do two things at once with their hands is impressive. Mm. Right, and yeah. the violinist he had, who's quite a well-known guy in in the jazz musician circles, he was actually sampling what he was doing. He was doing some pizzicato. You know when they pluck the violin, yeah. he was sampling it with some sort of foot pedal, and then playing it back, and then playing over the top, so it sort of got like almost like a backing violin on a, on a loop, and then he was recording another bit, and then he was doing that again. So he's like making his own backing tracks up live. I've seen oh. I've seen people do it with their voices before. They'll do some they'll sing some words like a chorus and sample it and then play it back and then do more words over the top. But I've never seen it with a violin. 
It was really, really good. The guy who was making this violin make some noise I've never heard come out of a violin before. It was really, really smart. Not my thing at all, but I will go again if Harry invites me. Very good. Really nice. Just watching and listening to live music is really nice. It is, isn't it? Yeah, really the, nice. I don't like rock and roll, really, but whenever I've been to see bands with my mates... Or heavy rock, and you you, you do get into it because you you get right up close and personal with a band, and you can see the the skills. What are you drinking? Mm-hmm. Is that a strawberry daiquiri, darling? No, this is white Zinfandel. What's that? Is that a wine? Yes, it's slightly sparkling wine. Mm. I have. You're just a minute, Jimmy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I have a bottle of Ice Valley water. I've got Diet Coke as well, but I thought I'd just put a, mm. put some pink fizzy wine in a flute. Oh, not one of them flutes that landed on your head, though. No. Anyway, back to arcade stuff. I managed to sort out the ROM game names on my Mac running SDR main, because this Mac here was up till 3 o'clock last night messing around with it, putting stuff on it and reinstalling stuff. And I've got SDL main, which runs on Mac, and it runs yeah. with attract mode. I think mm. it's very similar to the version you run on Linux. SDL main, mm-hmm. you, you compile it for the different machines, and this is very similar to a Linux Unix thing anyway. But what I did is, on the games, you put the ROMs in a ROM folder, and you tell it to refine the games. It finds all the games, but it was only finding the games with the ROM names. So it'd be like uh, Jungle King is Jungle K, Green Beret yeah. is G Beret, and that's what the name would bring up. So it's not very friendly. You can go mm. in and edit the game names and change them all individually, but if you've got hundreds and thousands of games on there, it's going to take a long time and it'd be pointless. But what I worked out, on my own as well, just by farting about on the internet, and I asked Rich Chunks in a while back, and he sort of explained how he would do it, which is obviously the expert way, and that wasn't relevant to me because I'm not an expert. So what I did is I messed around with it, and I realised you need a list XML file. I think it's just yes. called main.xml. And what I did is I went on a Windows PC, that one in here that I use just for Windows stuff, and I created it, or I found it in, in the folder anyway. I popped it on a, on a SD card or memory stick or whatever and put it in this computer and just put it in the same folder as the games. And it's, it's a huge, massive text file with all the game names on, all the information of each and every single game. It's an absolutely mm-hmm. massive, like 150 meg file. And yeah. that in text is huge. And then I did the, the game name generator again, so it finds all the names, and it came up properly with them. But then it's got all the brackets around every, everything, so it's got like 1942, brackets set B. But there is a function on a track mode to ignore the brackets in game descriptions. It just puts in 1942, you know, that green beret without the set to world version, all that rubbish. Right. So, that's, so I've got it working really nicely now. Ah, brilliant. Yeah, so I should be able to do that on the Linux one on my main computer, on my main Mm. arcade machine as well, which is absolutely brilliant. I think there's a command in Linux to just generate the XML file from the ROMs you've got. I wouldn't know how to do that. I I know there's a way of doing it, but what I did is I did it on a PC and just nicked the file and popped it in there. It's the easiest way to do it for me because I don't know Linux at all. I've, I've done it from... From you know the standard MAME GUI, which is all right. I use it; it's okay. Yeah. There's a there's an option at the top, export list to file, and you can export it to. All oh, right, I've not, not text seen that. Or XML. I know Windows MAME really well, but any of the other mm. ones I'm not too sure about because obviously they change things around and move stuff. 
But the Windows yeah, one's quite easy to use. I need to get used to this SDL, mate. It's good, though. plays really nicely, especially on this computer. It's lovely. runs really smooth. One on, one on mine, I think it's the same on Windows. It has its own you know, graphic interface. It's it's basic, and it's not pretty, but I use it because I know it. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Also, 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 you know, you go around different places near your home. I went to Brighton yeah, the other day. That's um, quite quite far for you, isn't it? Hour and a half. Yeah. Just south from me. Um, yeah. We went no. to meet up with wife's cousin, Melanie, who happens to be the bassist for the indie band The Wedding Present. Does she? Yeah, yeah. They've been going a while, haven't they? They were When they were relevant in the 90s, when I listened to them, I had a few of the records, she wasn't even born. <laughs> so she's the youngest member. But yeah, she plays actually full-time for them now. So when they go on tour and when they record, she is the bassist. Because she oh, used to play good. keyboards just part-time for them and do different bits for them. But now she's full full term, a full term present. <laughs> uh, so we hung around on the stony beach on Brighton, which is really nice. It was really hot again. Let the dog get his paws wet in the sea. He didn't like that because he had a, a, a wave at him. He didn't like that at all. He yipped a bit. <laughs> uh, but I previously met a video game shop owner called James at the last London gaming market. It was introduced to me by Ali, the retro game hunter. Yeah. Um, and I went to the Ninja Game Den, which is his shop. He runs with a, his partner. Uh, in London Road. I will post the details on the show notes um, because it's a really, really good shop. I was talking to him for ages because obviously another fellow nerd went in there and we just got along really well talking about stuff. And I found mm. not one, but two things I wanted to buy. Because what I do sometimes is I get an air for something I want. So if we're in a new town or whatever, or, want, or somewhere, I'll just say to the wife, I want to buy myself something today. And she's going, oh, no. Because if I don't find anything, I'll be in a really bad mood. I said, right, I want to buy myself something today. It's my birthday in a few days or whatever. I want to buy myself something. She said, oh, for God's sake. I said, I know this place. I know it's in Brighton. I'm not sure where it is. And Melanie's boyfriend, Nick, said, oh, I know where it is. It's on London Road. It's not too far away. So we walked down there. And um, I actually, in the end, splashed out for an Atari 65XE computer yeah. to replace my 800XL that doesn't work. And also another, he had a loose 800XL. Just in a box. Right. So I bought some of those. I bought the XC65XE, which is like almost the same computer, but just a new styling. It was boxed with the power supply, the tape recorder. I think the joystick was missing. Doesn't matter. I've got one of those. Right bargain it was as well. And the 800XL was next to nothing. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Got them back. Both of them worked perfectly. Well, not perfectly. Really? The XL which was untested. He told me it was untested. Some of the keys don't work on it. But the actual games work fine on my cartridge thing. I've got an SD cartridge. And it works absolutely yeah. fine. So which, just, which keys don't work? Is it like Q? Yeah. And, and Z? It's, it, I think it's something to do with the membrane and the matrix on there. But I've fixed keyboards before. You just take the membrane off and you clean between it. It's probably just dirt and muck that over the years it's got in there. So you might get away with some of the keys not working if you can work around your spellings. You or... don't really need to use a keyboard on a lot of Atari games unless it's an adventure game you're playing because it's nearly always joystick. Mm. And maybe the space bar for, you know, on Defender, you've got like a smart bomb or something. But some mm. of the games there are absolutely brilliant. I got right back into playing. I was up till like 2 o'clock in the morning playing Atari games because I haven't played any yeah. for ages where it's been broken. But... I also was trying to fix my old 800XL. Even though I've got two now, I've been trying to fix it because it's just one of those things where it should work. It worked the last time I used it, 
and all of a sudden it just didn't work. So I'm messing around, and I used this 800XL I've got now to nick the chips out to see if it was them that was wrong, and it isn't. I've replaced all the RAM, done loads of different things. I've ordered two more chips to try, which which control the RAM. It might be something to do with that. But I'm going to yeah. get this flipping thing fixed. I'm going to get it fixed. I'm playing some really nice arcade ports on the 800XL as well. Really nice games. I've got a good version of Bosconian mm. on there. Those Ataris, I don't think... I think I've completely missed them. I, I didn't. I've never. I don't think I've ever played apart from at these shows and that. A four hundred and eight eight hundred. I don't think I've played them. Yeah, they're the old ones. They're like the seventies mm. ones. And the eight hundred XL was released in about eighty three. Right. Just new styling with more memory, really, and built in basic mm. and stuff. They are good machines. They're very similar to the Commodore sixty four. They've got really good sound. They've got some nice graphics modes. They've got loads of different graphics modes with um, player missile sprites. Hmm. Because the, yeah. the poor old Spectrum never had sprites, but the Commodore 64 no. did. You know, the late, slightly later computers did. And a lot of the games were on the Commodore 64, especially in America, were released on the 800XL because that was their main two computers and the Apple II in America. We yeah. didn't really get them over here, but I did. I got a Dixon's. Remember Dixon's? Yeah. High Street <laughs> chain. I had a Dixon's um, package, and this 65XE is also a Dixon's package. It's actually got it on the box. Ah. Back in the day. Yeah, well, I'm going to get that old one working. I'm going to get it working. Right. Let's have some proper arcade news then. Arcade news. Tell us what's been going on in the arcade world while I sip here, this Zinfandel. Here, kids, while Vic sips his daiquiri, is mm. another full-size Pac-Man cabinet reissue from Bandai Namco. First, you had Class of 81. I know it wasn't Bandai then. That mm. came out in 2000, and that had just Pac-Man and Galaga on it. Then you had Pac-Man 25th Anniversary in 2005. What is featuring, that Featuring Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, and Galaga. And then in 2010 was Pac-Man's Arcade Party, which came with 12 popular Namco games. And now you've got... Pac-Man's Pixel Bash, 31 games. Mmm, bashing pixels. So that's coming out. The actual side work, side work, side artwork looks quite nice. It's like the Pac-Man artwork, and then it sort of pixelates at the bottom, top, bottom, top, and I can't speak today. <laughs> top and bottom of the cab, yep. revealing another picture underneath, and the bezel's nice with all the games on. It does seem quite a nice cab, but, I mean, it's... It's a modern twist on it, isn't it? It's got an LCD. It must have an LCD screen in it. Yeah, it does. It does. The yeah. thing that bothers me, not even the LCD screen so much, but some of them games on there are horizontal and some are vertical. And the screen, I think, is orientated vertically. Yeah. Obviously for Pac-Man and stuff. But there's some games on there. I think Splatterhouse is on there, which is a horizontal game. Yeah. So that's going to be a bit weird. It's, you're, going to get, you're going to get borders in that, aren't you, somehow? Yeah, on the previous one, they sort of cut the top, you know, they made borders at the top and bottom. To, so the aspect ratio was the same. Yeah, just on a smaller it, it, screen. It didn't look stretched, but it was a. I think, which one have I seen? It's a big, a big old screen. I think it might be the 25th anniversary one I've seen. Because they did exactly old... the same, because Namco Nintendo Bandai did one for Donkey Kong, I've seen in America. It was right. a modern cab. With a really huge screen, I can't remember if it's LCD. It might even be like a twenty-five-inch CRT in it, but it had Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Junior, vertical games on a vertical monitor. Then it had Mario Brothers, which is a vertical, right. which is a horizontal game. 
But it worked okay. It seemed quite nice. It was a nice-looking cab as well, but obviously a modern thing. And you can probably mm. get them quite easy. It's not like a... Well, you can get Nintendo cabs easy in America, but it's more of a modern thing, so I presume it was sort of you know not as well-made. It's got emulation in it. It'd be a weird little board or a PC kind of base thing anyway. I presume mm. this thing is like a, an emulation board as well. It must be, mustn't it, really? Yeah, because you can't get all them games on one PCB. Why, no. why would they make a PCB nowadays when you can do a, use a little FPGA thing with emulation for a fraction of the cost? Yeah. It's yeah. going to be, isn't it? Nice mm. to see new new old games coming out. So hopefully the kids will enjoy them and bring some more out. Good. Yeah, Namco are the kings of reissue stuff, aren't they? Oh, and God, yeah. things. They've, they've beaten poor old Pac-Man and Gallagher and Galaxian to death over the years, haven't they? Mm. They've got their money's worth out of them. Certainly have. Next up, this is quite exciting news. Blast Galaxy Arcade is soon to open in Amsterdam. This has come up on the Dragon's Lair forum, Dragon Lair fans forum, and is the organizer, the the owner, is is said we're planning to start with about a hundred machines, and our main Ooh. focus is on the classics, classic woodies mixed with some repros, which we will fade out in time. Mm-hmm. Pinballs, air hockey, modern machines, and Vulixes, candies. Great deluxe cabs like Outrun, Hang On, 18-wheeler. So that is happening. It's yeah. coming ahead. I read the uh, thread on there, and I've put this up on the website for everyone to look at themselves in a link. Um, mm. It looks really good. And the guys, I think there's a guy and a lady, and some people, a little team of people running it. Um, yeah. And they want it to hopefully have the same vibe as the Eurocade event in Riddikirk, which two very nice podcasters I know of went to a few years yes. ago. Yes. Yeah, it was a good day, that. If it does... I'm going to that. I'm going to travel there to have a nose at that when it opens. It sounds awesome. And we, we had a really a... nice time there, didn't we, in Riddikirk? Yeah. I will I will think this time I'll travel to Hull and get a ferry over. Oh, you can get a ferry? Yeah, instead of all the way down to you. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That'd be really cool, wouldn't it? Yeah, and then we can meet up. That'd be excellent. I can't wait for that. So if it's if it's going to be as good as a Euro K, it's going to be absolutely amazing. And 100 machines to start off with is really ambitious. I like the sound of this. Cool. Yeah, best of luck to him. Best of luck yeah, to Galaxy. Absolutely. Here's some news that's that's some news, strangely enough. Nottingham's news. National Video Arcade is moving to Sheffield. Mm-hmm. So Nottingham bad news, Sheffield good news. I've been to this one in Nottingham. The last time I saw no, not the last time I saw VIP, but time before, went to stay with them. Uh we went there, and it's not a bad little place. It's not completely arcade orientated, but it's got a lot of video games there, got a few arcade machines, it's nicely laid out as well. Uh, good luck to them. They're moving to Sheffield, not sure why, but they've been in Nottingham quite a few years now. Let Sheffield have a look. Yeah, the ver- various reasons, I think a lot of it's due to the actual building itself and the upkeep of it, but yeah, good luck to them moving to Sheffield. Okay. Oh, do you know, you do know, NERG, the Northeast Retro Gaming event, is coming very soon, July 14th and 15th, very soon. Yeah. I will not be there, but you will. Yeah. Uh, hopefully you and some of our listeners will be representing the 10 Pence Arcade podcast. I will be at a closer arcade meeting at Steve Bonehead's place in Bedford. Uh, it's we a good, are, yeah, got a great little arcade himself. He you? has, yeah. We are also having a member of the American Royal Family over. Who's that? Whitney Roberts from the Broken Token podcast and Sky Skipper partner fame. Alex... Alex and I will be looking after him while he is here. We're going to have velvet cushions with bottles of beer on for him. 
stuff like that. <laughs> Glad he's coming back over again. Yes, it is. I think he's got some business in France beforehand mm-hmm. with his work, and then he's coming over on the old Eurostar, and he's staying just down the road from me. So I probably breakfast with him one morning. Me and Alex probably tell him out for a drink as well. Show him the Twickenham beers. Boy, us. Arcade pickups. Hit me with some pickups, right. Sean. I've actually got two. What? Very unlike me to spend any money on anything. Ooh, our queen. Not, not that I mean, I just don't have any. A Dodon Patchy t-shirt from Japan. But it's not from Japan, it's from Latvia. Wife looked it up. It's a Dodon Patchy Sai Daiju. Very nice t-shirt. Ooh. What colour is it? It's black with the, the white Japanese text and a bit of red in. And you know them people that have a, have a, a t-shirt on of a band... And then you question them about it, and they've never even heard the band. It's just for coolness. Oh, that's that's not allowed. Well, I've done that with this T-shirt, because I realised after I bought it, Sai Daiju is one of the Dodon patches I have never played. Oh, really? Is that one of the modern ones, yeah. the newer ones? Yeah, it's 2012. You can, you can get it on Xbox. Yeah. I was speaking, speaking to Rich Stryker about this last night. He says, get an Xbox for all the latest cave games, because MAME doesn't really play them or really struggles. Is this the 360? Yeah, yeah. I've, you, I, if you get a 360, because you can get them cheap, I've, I've, I've got, got, got... You've got one? Yeah, well, wife has. I'm having it. Do you want some games? I've got Death Smiles, got? look. Ooh. I've got Blaz Blue, look. Ooh. What else did I have the other day? I've got Dodon Bakshi Resurrection. Oh, that's got Daiju on, I think, isn't it? This is some pickups for you. And I've also got... Where's that other one gone? I was using it in between a PCB the other day to, to keep it apart, to check something. <laughs> I've got another one somewhere, another game. It's a cave game. I'm not sure which one it was. It might be Akai Katana. Oh. I'll find it for you, chum. Oh, yeah, I'll give you them if you want. You want them? They're good little games. Excellent. Yeah, I'd love to play it. I'll have to get a proper arcade stick for it. They are not that expensive on the 360. You know, you can get them on eBay yeah. for about 30 quid. Yeah, because some of those games, we, we're talking like, oh, yeah, Akai Katana and Ibarra. Some of them, they're just... Well, my main, they're either too slow or they don't exist. So, um, If you went to buy the PCBs, you're talking thousands for all that lot. Yeah. They're really expensive. I think they start about 400 quid for a, a cave PCB. Well, he was, yeah, Roger was saying, he's saying last night, he says, you've never bought a cave PCB. I said, that's too expensive. He says, one of his mates, I can't remember he said, he would buy a game like for 500 quid, say, yeah. Dodon Patchy. He'd play it to death and then sell it. Yeah, buy um, another one. Yeah, for almost exactly the same price or more because they're yeah. just increasing. That's and what a lot of the guys on, on Arcade Otaku do, yeah. They they do that. They sort of buy a game. They, they go mad at it, complete it, you know, go through it as many levels as they can, massive scores on it, and then just beat it to death and then get rid of it for another one. And Because sometimes nice. the prices go up, you know, when the stocks get low and people can't find them, and they're happy. But they never really go down in price. Mm. Hardly ever. Do yeah. And I've also got a Toa Plan t-shirt from America. Very Ooh. nice green toe. I've got it on the velvet, look. It's very nice. It's covered, it's covered in crisps because I've been eating crisps. But of course. Yeah, woohoo! Two pickups. Nice one. I'm, I'm boosting up my arcade t-shirts again because so I've thrown all my old ones away. All my t-shirts in the in the wardrobe upstairs, I think they're separating two distinct areas. It's arcade and gaming related or band mm. t-shirts. That's it. Nearly all of them black. Yep, don't blame you. But I was wearing my Sky Cursor one, and that was grey. It's kind mm. of black, isn't it? It's like light black. 
I've been getting a few pickups, all sort of game related. So some were for my birthday and some were just not. Uh, the first one is a Circus Charlie PCB I was talking about earlier, now working fine. But yeah. I don't think this ROM version allows you to harvest the five extra lives on the first, you know, the lion stage. Right. If you do four jumps at the very start and then get going, you get a little Charlie doll comes along and you pick it up and you get an extra life and you can get five extra lives straight away on that game. Yeah. I was playing it on my, my um, Raspberry Pi main version of the Downer Cab. I was playing it. It works now. But on this one, it doesn't let you do it. It must be a very slightly different ROM set. So there's that. Uh, I'll have to change the ROMs and that thing. I want that to be, you know, we played it before. A really nice grey, well, sort of like an olive green grey Asteroids t-shirt for my birthday for my son Jack. Thank you, Jack. Nice. Uh, Taito Game Station t-shirt from the same place as your Dodon Patchy t-shirt came from. Mm. Thanks to K-Man for put, pointing yeah, us that Yeah, some direction. really nice, odd-looking t-shirts, ones you don't often see. Mm. Oh, through the post that I picked up this morning from my work, I had to nip into work and go and grab something, was the most Stromash Zone Vectrex game from Jim Watt. I've not played it yet. I only picked it up a few hours ago. But it's a twin-stick game very similar to Battlezone. Mm. I cannot wait to play it. Uh, a Nintendo Labo. Nintendo Labo. Have you heard of this? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Wife got me this for my birthday. This is there's two different packs, maybe three different packs. It's the the very the sim- simple one with lots of different projects in it. It's really fun cardboard stuff. Most of the box consists of cardboard. Yeah. And then you get a little game in it with just a little tiny memory card thing for the Nintendo Switch and you get a few bits of like stringy wire stuff and some plastic bits for it to go through little eyelets. And it's really fun. It's really silly kid stuff. And I'm 45 years old, and I'm not going to grow up. No. So what do you what do you do with it then? You follow instructions. You have or the you have the Nintendo Switch. You take the John the Joy Cons. You know, little controllers off the side of it. So you've got basically a little tablet switch, yeah. and you you hold down the button, and it runs through a video. When you let go of it, it stops. So you can do your bits and bobs. You can you it tells you what to bend up what to push through on the cardboard because it's all you just push the cardboard out it's all ready mm. cut you just push it out and you've got little bends to it and you bend it up and it makes little these little boxes and shaped things and i've only done one so far there's about there must be about 12 projects in there to do maybe more well the first mm. one i would do is a radio controlled car and what you do is you bend this thing up it's like a little thing with these funny little six feet on it and you put the the Joy-Cons, you clip them on the side of it, on the cardboard, because the Joy-Cons have got little clips on the side to clip it into the main unit. And you put mm. it on there, and then you control it with the touchscreen on the Switch. And what it does, it's really clever. It makes the Joy-Cons vibrate so the thing moves along. So when you do both of them at the same time, it vibrates left and right, and it runs, it makes the thing move like a car. And when you do one at right. a time, it turns it around like a, you know, a tank control. It's really oh, weird yeah. how it works. I don't know how it works, but it works. And there's God. loads of different, there's there's like a little fishing rod you can make for a game. There's a piano you can make with it. There's loads of different things on there to play with. And they use the Joy Cons as like for the, everything. Yeah, the motors kind of thing. Yeah, it's really weird. It is, isn't it? I'll I'll, I'll get back to you on that. It's really bizarre. I also noticed the other day. Someone had made, I'm not sure if you can buy it or someone's just made it themselves, they've made a little arcade cabinet to yeah. sit the Switch in to play Street Fighter 2. Because yeah. <laughs> the, the new Street Fighter 2, I think, is out now for the, for the Switch. It's like a, a commemoration version. It's got loads of different versions of Street Fighter 2 and 3 on it. 
It's got all the anniversary thing. Yeah, the the championship edition, the World Warriors. I think it's even got Street Fighter Three on, which is my favourite one. It's loads of Street. It's quite expensive at the moment because it's like a full release game. There's about twenty different versions of Street Fighter Two and Three on it. Right. I think they did it for that. They made a little arcade cabinet, and it looks really, really neat. You probably break it in five minutes, but it's just the fact that you can make something and it to work. It's good fun, though. Mm. I like it. I bought a 27-inch iMac. I bought this yesterday. (sighs) Stupid, expensive Apple, decent computers. I love their products, but I hate their pricing. Especially after the stupid Brexit, because everything's gone up. Mm. I finally caved. I bought one of these that I'm looking at right now, doing this podcast on, for the wife a few years ago. It was like £1,200 then. And I bought it for one of her birthdays because she really wanted this big Mac to because she uses it at home to work on basically because it's a twenty seven inch five k screen you can have loads of things open in it in really sort of decent sizes to work on and it is actually quite nice I've got you on the right hand side I've got yet yeah. so little tiny window running which she records the podcast on the left hand right hand bottom corner and I've got the notes on the left hand side before I used to do it on my laptop. I used to do it on my laptop, and I had an iPad with the notes on because it wasn't a big enough screen to run it. But this thing does everything in one screen. Hopefully, it'll be easy to work with. I can just drag it through from the front room and sit in our hobby room to, to use as well because it's not very heavy, and it's only the one thing to pick up. One plug, whole unit in one. But it is nice. a poncy posh computer. It really is. <laughs> um, but my old, I've got an old Mac Mini, which is the little tiny box you put in a normal P, you put a normal screen and a keyboard and mouse on, and it seems to be slowing down a lot, especially on the internet and while I was editing us as well. But if I wipe everything off it and start again, it probably worked quite nicely because that's usually what happens with computers. You put loads of stuff on them and it just slows it down. So what I'll do yeah. is I'll, I'll reset it and everything. I'll probably sell it on again for you know quite cheap because it's it's an older version now. But this thing works really nice. I'm quite pleased with it. But God, they're expensive. Yeah. Damn you, Apple. <laughs> really nice things, but they don't need to be that expensive. They really don't. Uh, I mentioned earlier the 65XE and Android XL uh, Atari computers. I can play some nice modern homebrew games of arcade ports. I did look at the Time Pilot, and it looks really good, but the sprites are really big for the screen. And obviously, it's horizontal on a normal screen. And the game does run a little bit slow, but it's a nice. Sort of like a light version of the arcade version. Time yeah. Pilot Light. It's nice though. Yeah. On, on that old computer as well, 64K computer, it runs really nicely. Light Pilot. Light Pilot, yeah. Um, I also received some arcade parts. Some. Ooh, what were they again? They were Sumitsu uh, LS56 joysticks. Yeah. I bought these. Well, Chris CNP bought them. Uh, for me to make a nice twin stick Vectrex controller and also some buttons to make an Asteroids controller with these little plastic boxes I've bought. Um, and I'm also going to be making Whitney Broken Token one as well because he's just scored himself a lovely liney Vectrex and he needs They're a nice controller good. for it. So yeah, so Vectrex controls, I should be doing them probably tomorrow actually. I've got another week off. Sean, I've got another week off, Sean. Sean, I've got another week off. Well, when you're back at work, I've got my week off. Oh, you booger! Oh, it's nice. Listener feedback. We have got lots of feedback. Let's get on to it, shall we? Shall I start, sir? Go on, sir. This is from Jason Kendall. Hi, Victor. Still really enjoying the podcast? I've got you at least one new listener. And he put, uh, I think, on Atari Age forums for us. 
Any chance you will cover the end? Question mark. I used to play this cocktail, the Alhambra Arcade, when at my nan's in Morecambe. I also remember Space Invaders and Berserk, plus a pole position in the fairground. On the Atari 8-bit scene, as well as the recent Bosconian, which is superb, that come out, and Time Pilot, which just finished too, which is jolly hard. Forgot to mention, you might have missed Space Harrier and a game called Atari Blast too. Fantastic. Seriously hard to believe these are running on an Atari 8-bit. Cheers, Jason, the real bounty Bob Kendall. So Jason, is something you might be able to answer to me. Has Bosconian on the Atari got any sound? Because the version I downloaded and I run on my, my side cartridge has got no sound. And also, right. the um, the Space Harrier, which is really nice, I've seen videos of it running, is 128K. And my 65XE is actually capable of being upgraded to 128K. And I've got some memory chips coming for that, so I'm going to upgrade that very soon. But I'd like to know if Bosconian is supposed to have sound or not. Maybe we've got an older version. But it is a really nice version on the Atari. Probably the best have one you, I've seen on a home computer. If you seen the Atari VC, I think we've talked about the Atari VCS version of Bosconian. Tower 2600, sorry, version of Bosconia with actual speech in it. Oh, right. Yeah, they did, didn't they? They did a homebrew version of it. I wonder, if he's, the, I wonder if he's on about that one, because that is 8-bit. No, no, this is, the 8-bit, this is the 8-bit computer yeah. version. I've actually got right. it, and I've played it. It's really nice, but there was no sound at all on it. So I might have an old version. Maybe, maybe I downloaded a, a work-in-progress version. I don't know. Ew. Right, I have some feedback from Bill Wellham from last week. Sorry we missed this. Vic and Sean, when in Rome and somewhat bored with ancient architecture, papal history, pasta and pizza, Lambrettas and Fiat 500s, you should go and visit Vigamus. Vigamus! Is that how they say it? Retro Gaming Museum, Italian style. There's a link there. I spent around three hours playing coin-ups and consoles with my lad. A few interesting machines I've never seen before. All machines had CRT monitors and were mostly original cabs. Glass displays full of history from the dawn of gaming to modern times check nice. out my snaps i've not he's, he's put a Flickr link i've not looked at that actually yeah i've put the link for vigamous uh, video games museum in the links in the show notes um i've not seen this place before uh it looks really nice though in there i like arcade video game museum there's one called the computer spieler museum in berlin which if you're ever mm. there go and see that that's really nice some good exhibits mm. there paul higgins says Hi, fellas. Another great show, and especially with Grumpy Victor. Ever thought of doing a Grumpy Victor section? You cheeky guy. <laughs> Just a thought. Anyway, I took your advice, Victor, and after sitting in the corner and having a word with myself, I've come to the conclusion that Zane Sleena really isn't a good game at all. <laughs> Keep up the great work, and on the best arcade podcast out there. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Jeremy Riley. Oh, no. I wish I kept up with the podcast currently running about three behind. Zane Sleen is one of my all-time favourites. Oh, no. I finished this back in the day and owned a dedicated cab more recently. I could have been a contender, is put. Contender for loser of the year? Oh! <laughs> Simon Anderson. After the dust has settled and the flies have been attracted to another pile of plops other than Zane Deslina, we get the chance to play a game that I haven't heard anyone say a bad word about. I haven't spent much time on Bubble Bubble other than the Spectrum version when I were a lad. Looking forward to this. Mm. Bill Kendrick, at Sean Holly, what's this about a charity golf day? Oh, that would be good, wouldn't it? Not golf. Not golf. Golf. But a charity golf day sounds a lot better. You didn't play any golf, so well done. Mm. Mr. Tagster. Great episode, guys. Some really funny comments that made me laugh. I'll probably listen to it again. Here's some listener pickups for you. Bub and Bob Piggy Banks and a Space Harrier t-shirt, both from Japan. Nice. Nice. Edward Horse. <laughs> Can you do a horse, Vic? 
That's better than mine. That's a good horse. That's a good Great horse. podcast, guys. I think you need a break, Vic. Don't let the hobby get you down, son. Nay to those harumphs. Yeah, I know what you mean. Benson Rad, listener number four. Another great podcast, chaps. Great shame about the monitor not working. I really hope you can get it going. We will. Zane DeSuna sounded a bit pap, so quite glad I never did get a chance to play it. Bubble Bubble, on the other hand, I do like. I played the Game Boy Advance version of it on my commute religiously for months on end. I shall have to join this challenge and get a score in. Someone else later on mentions that. Mm. We got a we got a Zane Selena T-shirt from Mr. Driss, Paul Driscoll. He's dead to me now. <laughs> we were talking about T-shirt pickups, and he's put he's sort of photoshopped a Zane Selena on on the front of a red T-shirt. Not ah. as good as this one. I didn't I didn't think it was Photoshop. I thought it was just a wonky T-shirt, and it was actually photoshopped on quite badly. So I thought that's what Zane Selena would be—just a knackered looking T-shirt. I was going to buy you one for your birthday, Zane Selena T-shirt. And I'd use it to mop up dog wee. <laughs> Rob Carpenter on hearing Bubble Bubble was the next featured game. Well, slap my over-accentuated animated buttocks and call me Jessica. I've played Bubble Bubble mainly for a lark before, but never really looked properly until now. Newsflash: It's amazing. Ooh. Andrew McCabe, bestest biscuit-oriented ga- arcade gaming podcast out there. Thank Can't you, argue man. with that. Thank you, means us. This is Matt Neo MK. Trouble. Even Victor and Sean, entertaining podcast as always. Nice Nichibutsu insight. They really love the moon. Dangar UFO was around back in the day and has more depth than Terra Cresta. Terra Force might not have the formation option, but it's a polished shooter with an absorbing soundtrack. Still think you're unfair on Zane. It's no classic, but get used to the mechanic, accept its flaws, and patience is rewarded. With what? <laughs> However, I'm sure we can agree that this week's game is pixel-perfect platforming heaven. Wonderful game you never get bored of. Must get the sweets. Mm. Keep up the good work. Note, with the tiny arcades, don't think Frogger, Gallagher, and Dig Dug are out yet. Ms. Pac-Man, Pac-Man Galaxy, and Space Invaders so far. I have actually got one of those. And that is a little tiny machine. It's about three and four inches tall. And you can mm. actually mod it to play all four of those games. You only need one, unless you're a true collector. The other arcade machines are the ones from Walmart I've got. The slightly larger ones, about eight inches tall. But these tiny uh-huh. ones, he's right. It's Pac-Man, Ms. Pac-Man, Galaxian, and Space Invaders. Yeah, I think you said yeah, there's just a pin that you change in there or something. Oh, right? so you can solder... Uh, a wire to the to the joystick. So if you start the machine up with, say, right being held down, it'll play a certain game. If you start it with left, another game, up and down. So you start the game by pushing a joystick position, and it, it jumpers that different that certain game to boot, and you play it. Excellent. It's really good. Our Alex. Nintendo Arcade, great podcast as always, guys. I don't have access to any of my games right now. Otherwise, I would have joined you on this next game. Yeah. Uh, Alex is my uh, jazz partner. That doesn't sound too good, jazz partner. Sorry. Was that better than Harry, was it? No. Why not? Harry could knock out a tune with his little toe better than you can. Probably could. Alpha 1, RL. Sean, Victor. A better game than Zane Deslina is Sector Z. I effing love that game. Uh, we then went to talking about similar better games like Athena, Sidearms, and Baraduke. Yeah, talking on UK Vac about them. I tried Sector Z's, Sector Z, mm-hmm. and the Sidearms is a proper sequel. 
I've always liked sidearms more because I've never really played Sector Z, but sidearms are some very annoying power-ups where you get you, you get these speed-up power-ups and you don't need them. You're going insanely fast at the end. Oh, right. And, and you, you, you almost get them by accident because you, you're going to get a speed-up power-up by accident throughout the gameplay because there's so much going on. Yeah, so same as Nemesis. It. If you get too many power-ups, if you get too many speed-up power-ups and that, you can't control your ship properly. It's awful. Rubbish. So, Sector Z might be the less polished game, but actually the better gameplay. Is this Section Z, not Sector Z? Ah, could be, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah I think yeah, so. Sorry, yeah. I had yeah, Athena sorry. on the Spectrum. It's a rubbish mm-hmm. game, but I really liked it. Dave Flinster, just finished listening to the latest podcast. Sadly missed playing quite a few games I like on recent shows, but nope, I don't think I missed out much on Zane Deslina. I did enjoy Soldier of Light on the Spectrum as a kid, but I never got into the arcade version. Didn't get much time to play Bubble Ball this week either, sadly. This is one of my favourites. Too many things going on during the summer. Oh, well, it'd be one I'll be playing long into the future anyway. 1986 year review. What a year. So many classics for me. Outrun, Buggy Boy, WC Lamar, Wonder Boy, 720 Degrees, Arkanoid, Darius, Bubble Bubble, Rampage, Enduro Racer, Curry Warriors and Victory Road, Renegade, Sidearms and Skykid Deluxe. Definitely when everything really kicked off for me in the arcades, my mind was truly blown. Bring on 1987 for the very same again. Thumbs up. And for listener pickups, I've stalled on the R-Type conversion fixing recently because he bought one uh, Revival and it mm. didn't work, but picked up a dead Neo Geo MV1FZ, which is the single Neo Geo game board. Yeah. And after cleaning up much battery acid death and refitting parts with a bit of help from Mr. Robotech, I managed to get up and running again. Woohoo! Nice. And here's Mr. Robotech himself. Sadly, I never seem to be in time to take part in the high school challenge. This may change soon with the arrival of one of Rich Chunksin's Piter Jammer boards, nicely installed in one of Vic's precision mounting plates. I, I had some food off a precision plate today, some kind of pasta stuff. Did I put three mil holes in it? No. If you did that, the sauce would have fell out. It would have. Rubbish. Yeah, all over, all over my knees. Oh, it would have scolded my knees. He's got shorts on. Ouch, my knees. And then wife would have hit uh, you with a harpsichord. Yeah. What is what is it with wife and instruments? Mm-hmm. Anyway, feeling your pain with a 29-inch monitor, Chinese monitor. These, oh, right, these are very poor quality and fail at the drop of a hat. Mm. Well, don't, well, we better not drop any hats. No. I, I have two now that work fine until they're removed from the cab and then never worked again. They are not worth bothering with, really. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, God. Still really enjoying the podcast. Keep up the work, guys. Good work. Needs more 10 pence orchestra. But I've had two more comments about 10 pence orchestra. They are suckers in, for punishment, aren't they? In the last two weeks, so we need to get them back. Neil, 20 to 5. Well, gentlemen, after the game of which we will never speak again, it is good to see you pull it back with an absolute gem of a game. Bubble Bubble is simply exquisite to play, even with the better two-player mode shunned for the 10p score, and it just spilled over with joyness. <laughs> really like working, stroke, finding out some of the game's nuances and making the power-ups work to your advantage. Still a long way off some of the, the big hitters, but hope by time to read this out that I've topped 1 million points. Mr. 20 to 5. P.S. Happy birthday, Victor. Thank you, Neil. Pete Hahn. Great episode again, Sean and Victor. I will happily take my verbal abuse for being the pro in the pro Zane Selina camp. I could definitely see why players didn't care for it, though. It's an acquired taste, and it t- that takes time, I think. However, you might have me confused with Doc Mac on liking Peter Patrat. I cannot defend that game. Good. Thank Good. you for the clear-up. We're very sorry about that, Pete, saying that you like Peter Patrat. But even though I respect Doc, how can he like that game? <laughs> 
He likes every game, though. He does. He loves the games. Tim Keeling, your last podcast is excellent as always. I listen to a lot of gaming podcasts, and yours is easily the best. Could you add Cosmic Gorilla to the list of possible high score challenge games, please? Yes, we can. Done it. I've done it. Mick very berry you might want to give this port a mention of bubble bobble it has the original game plus an updated version with nice new graphics a good port on the game boy advance as well and this is bubble bobble old and new on the game boy advance i think i've got that one on my sd card thingies actually i have to play that shout out congratulations it's congratulations time to mr and mrs cine steve on their birth of their baby daughter ellie may shooty pants that's not a real name. I didn't know a name, but then he sent it through. It's Fern. Oh, lovely. Nice. So it's a little baby Fern Sinister. Well done, Fern, Mr. and Mrs. Fern Cine. Sinister. Yes, congratulations. And another one's for Garen from RGDS for sending me pictures of his Japanese visit to Japan. <laughs> Japan arcades. He also sent a video of a, a superb player playing... A, a girl player playing some shooter, I forgot what it was, but she was on a, a boss rush stage and she was doing amazingly well. They're wow. probably all brilliant at shooting what's over there. Yeah, I've seen some good players, really good players. Mm. Along with the locals at Arcade Club, a shout out to all the UK backers I met last night. I've already mentioned them all. You know who you are. So, yeah, good shout out to you lot. And another, oh, I've got loads of shout outs here, Vic. Charlie Farr last night. He got... What did he do this time? He got 900,000 on Donkey Kong, and he got to level 21. Ooh, one off. And there, was a, there was a big crowd around him for the kill screen, and I, so much just happened. I didn't get there in time. I was downstairs, and somebody messaged somebody else on Twitter. There's a kill screen coming up. So I, raced <laughs> up I raced upstairs. I missed it. But he just died at the end. Oh. He has, he's done it on his main cab. He's, he's kill screened it, but he hasn't done it on actual hardware That's yet. That's a two-hour game, isn't it, getting that far? At least. It's just, yeah, it's just a matter of time before he does it. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, yeah. The only one I've got, really, to shout out is uh, to Harry for the release on his album. And I must go around and see what games he's got at the moment. He does, he does cycle through his games quite a bit. He likes his pinballs as well. But he's just recently got a elevator action cab, an original elevator action. I need to go around and play that. An original oh, that's cab. A shame. I that's like it. He can, he can flip it, can't he? No, no. That's a good game. And on the original cabinet, it'd be right, right, nice, right nice to play. Yes, I have to go and see him. So well done, Harry, on the release of your CD. I hope you sell millions of them, mate. It's really good. Mm. Really not good night out, that was. Sean's Curio Corner. Here we have a look into the more obscure games, cabinets, and stories from the arcade world. Ooh. Shall I just plug in the um, theremin to do that? Yeah. Could do. Could do, yeah. This is the Magnet arcade system. That doesn't sound disc. good straight away. Magnets and floppy disks don't go well together. <laughs> a floppy disk-based arcade system from Spain. Mm-hmm. When I was playing Zane Sleena last week or two weeks ago, in MAME, I saw there was another version of the ROM. You know, as you do, you're flicking through the list. Mm-hmm. And it said Magnet System version. So I did a bit of digging. I was digging, Vic. Okay. So I found this Spanish site. and we'll put a link in the show notes, and you can trans- translate it from Spanish. And this system, this mag- magnet arcade system, that had a version of Zane Sleena, mm. developed by a company called Cedar, S C E D A R, or 
cedar slash ifosa electronica functional operativa sa system looked like a a steel cage housing a rack of boards just an open steel cage with a floppy disk drive at one end that you find on an old pc it was distributed in spain and france non-jammer the hardware was four z80s and a lot of dram for the time copying the spanish cedar computer that was out at the time so it's oh, okay same company we're doing a bit of an arcade thing it would fit in most generic cabs but there was also a dedicated cab for it with three interchangeable control panels a stick steering wheel handlebar so bikes driving and other games the games the system cost this is in 1987 198,000 pesetas, which is £1,050 at the time, £2,700 now. Mm. The games, the games, each game cost 80 to £130, which is 230 to £350 in today's money. There was only 20 games. There was 10 exclusive games for the system and 10 conversions of arcade titles. One was Zane Sleena, another one was Time Scanner from Sega, or Sega and another one was Exizus from Taito. They don't they don't play as well as the arcade version. I think it looks like they've got very similar graphics and crunched them down a bit. Oh right. They've rewritten the, the game code, do you think? I'm not sure, it's very close. I, mm. I don't know if it's kind of because it's a Z eighty, I don't know if they've kind of modified it or something. Yeah. But it's a very weird thing. And when I was checking out this site, it's it's just one part of a site called recreativus.org. We'll put a link in. Mm-hmm. And through Google Translate. And it's it's a massive database of Spanish arcade machines. Oh. And one of the one of the contributors or collaborators, collaborators I cannot speak tonight. The collaborators was is Darth Nuno, Bruno. He's, oh right. He's, he's had a lot to do with it by the look of it. But it's fascinating looking at all the Spanish cabs. Yeah, um, Spain got quite a collection of their own, and also so did Italy, I think Germany. So if there's anyone else um, from other European, or any foreign countries to the UK, tell us about some odd systems you know of. We're really interested in these. They are really interesting. They're very, very different from what we got in the UK and what I've seen Mm -hmm. in America. So I'm really interested in different systems, especially if they had their own versions, especially licensed versions of things. Yeah, and I wonder if any of these floppy disks still work. Are they five and a quarter or three and a half? Three and a half, for the look of it. Mm. Yeah, floppy disks nowadays aren't good. Mm. Not working. Best games by year. We are now in 1987, Sean. Ooh. And these are some of the games on my little notes I've done in black and you've done in red. I might not agree with some of your things. <laughs> so the first one is in 1987-1943. This is controversial. Some weirdos prefer this to 1942. The Fools. If we're going alphabetical, I'll put Afterburner in from Sega. Very, very big selling game. You've got to was, put that in. Was this Afterburner 2 or 1? Well, I thought 2 was in 97. What doesn't exact exist, really, I don't think, does it? They Before it went into mass production, I think, they made Afterburner 2 and put a speed throttle on it. Ooh. I think Afterburner 1 didn't have one. I don't think... I may be wrong, but I think it's very, very rare to find an Afterburner 1. Because oh, 2 okay. was interesting. immediate. Yeah, I think it came out immediately after. Right. Uh, Alan Sindon. Alien Syndrome. We did this on the 10P podcast. 
it's a favourite of us, isn't it? We like that one. Well, it is an arcade club, and I still go back and play it. I like it. Is actually. it the one with the the little topper with the monsters on it? The the plastic topper. Yeah, that sound. Yeah, it's oh, a really cool little cab. Nice game. Jelly face monster. APB all points bulletin. I sure could use a donut. I played this on a mate's Amiga quite a bit as a kid. Uh, Arkanoid uh, Revenge of Doe, the second one. Very like Doe. the first, but with more fun power ups. Have you played Battleantis? It's a Konami oh, game. Yeah. It's, I think so. It's a take on Space Invaders, a medieval knight and castle ramparts kind of theme. It's really cool. You play the game just like Space Invaders, yeah, you're shooting the things, and you've got these little barriers, but when the guys come forward, they run forwards and they climb up your ramparts, and you've got to wait for them to get over the top, and then you shoot them. If they get come over the top, they come and get you. Nice, really nice game. It's sort of like 16 bit graphics on it. It's really good. Bionic Commando. I never liked Bionic Commando myself. Never liked it. Me neither, really. It was sort of like, it was very different style to most Capcom games. It's like they got other artists in to do it. It's a very mm. different game. And you've put down here... Black Tiger, Straight Black Dragon in Japan. I think this was quite influential in the, the medieval scrolling hack and slash things. Yeah. It's it's very difficult. There's lots of secrets in it, but I, I quite like it. This year, 1987, has got quite a few of these kind of games. If you look through MAME, there's quite a few of these medieval dungeon-y type RPG thingies going on. Standard nerds! Mm. Uh, Contra, not a bad scrolling shooter with some vertical levels. The Americans love Contra. Also known as Grisor and Probotector in the UK. Yeah. I think they, those versions are on the NES. Uh, Double Dragon. This is especially for Dean Swain from Retro Asylum. It was a fight and go right, fight and go all over the place, really. Really clunky, slow down brawler. Yeah. I, I l- absolutely loved Double Dragon in the day. And if someone was having a fight and there's more people involved, you'd be saying, go on, Double Dragon him. Oh, you get two people from one side beating one up from the middle. Um, it was it was great back in the day because it's one of those games where you didn't really get that kind of thing. It's that was one of the sort of first ones with the proper brawlers. We can pick we- weapons up and you know, can grab older people and you duff them up and throw them off cliffs and stuff. So it was good for that, but it's a really underpowered hardware for the game. Not good at yeah. all. Dragon Spirit from Namco. It's quite a good game. I, I think- nearly put it in. But mm. I played it, and I thought it was quite difficult to play. We played it. Yeah, I think... It's a hard shooter. I, I can't remember which... I think this is the first one. I think Dragon's Saber is the second one, which plays better. Yeah, maybe it does. So the next one we've got on our list here is Dr. Topple's Adventure. This is Taito's answer to a cute up Nice weapon system in this game. I liked it a lot. Flying Shark from your favourite company, Terraplan. Shooty mm. goodness. Yeah. I love this on the Spectrum. It was yellow and black on the Spectrum. It played really nicely. Uh, Gallagher 88. A really nice follow-up to Gallagher, following the form closer than Gapless, which was the sort of semi-official Gallagher 3. Mm. This is sort of a revisit and a revamp with better graphics and sound on a, on a later system. 
I was trying to play games at Arcade Club I don't normally play because I always go to the same games. Mm-hmm. And you've got hundreds there. So I was playing Gallagher 88 last night. It's quite nice. Yeah. I'll, I'll never be a massive fan of the Gallagher games. I prefer Galaxian, but it's quite nice. Me too. But it's a real fun one, this. It's really nice on the home versions. The mm. um, PC Engine version of it's really nice as well. Didn't uh, they do a Gallagher 90 or something on, on the, the PC? PC Engine? Yeah, I think it's just updated again. Similar kind of game. I think I've got both of them. Uh, Gemini Wing. You notice this one's in purple, don't you? On our yeah. notes. Because Why? I was going to choose it for next next show's game. Oh. Um, it will be chosen by me one day. Watch out. A really nice, slow-paced, vertical shoot-em-up with interesting weapon system. Really like this one. Really liked it when I played mm. it earlier. Carnov I've put from Data East. This, this got quite a, a bit of a cult following, I think, It's Karnov. rubbish. He's a fat geezer in red pants. I sometimes wear... F- Red pants, and I'm slightly rotund. And with a bald head and a weird-looking yeah. moustache. No, it's a rubbish game. Never liked it. He's got a black moustache, and mine's, like, white. The Ninja Warriors. It's a bit of a dull game. I had a quick go on it earlier. But it had three screens using a mirror in the centre, like same as Darius. As one of these at AC. Yeah, I played this as a kid. I was really impressed by it. Because you play a ninja with this long, flowing hair and a sort of a a ninja head gear on and stuff, but you're actually a robot, and as you get hit by the bad guys, bits of you fall off, and it reveals that you're a robot, and you blow up at the end when you die. But it's a really boring game. It's just the same kind of characters come at you, and it's just they're, they're sort of quite slow walking, you've got ninja stars, and you hit with your sword and stuff. It's just not a very good game. Boring. Mm. But, because of the three screens, quite impressive cab. Pac-Mania, same hardware as Gallagher 88. Another awesome sequel, um, which is awesome, and a sequel to the original gameplay with 3D isometric graphics, zooped-up groovy sound, and the addition of a bounce button so you can jump over the ghosts. Mm. Really nice game, Pac-Mania. Quite good. Quite good. It's all right. Mm. Operation Wolf. This was very important. This was a game-changer, I think. The, The amount of... Gun games before this, you know, light gun games was was few and far between. When Which this is a good out, thing. They, we were just flooded with them. Everyone wanted a piece of it. You know, you got, oh, there was all the sequels to this, and then there was, what was the SNK one? Mechanized Attack. You got loads of them after this, and then that developed into House of the Deads, and I think this was a game changer, Operation Wolf. It ruined it. There was Operation Wolf, Operation Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt. Operation Bear, was it? I think Bear was a Bear was a bootlegger thing. Operation Tortoise, Operation Giraffe, I think was the later one. A giraffe was good. Yeah, it's a very long gun. Victor was close. There was an Operation Tiger, the last in the sequels. <laughs> Did you know this wasn't a light gun game? No. The gun you hold onto is actually a joystick. Right, I was playing and this And as you last move it around, well. it moves the sights around like a joystick. So you just point it. And it's very clever how it works. It's not not a light gun at all. Oh, I didn't know that. You learn something new every day. Wow, very clever. Never mind rubbish gun games. R-Type. This is a shooter I previously never really bothered with until we covered it. Well, until I converted some major title golf games by the same company into R-Types. And then we did the podcast on it. And I really like R-Type 1 and 2. And Leo. And R-Type 3 on the SNES. They're really good games. Really good shooters. At Rainbow Islands, for me, it's a meh game. But some people love it more than Bubble Bobble. But well, they, are, they are wrong. Don't, no, well, Sean, calm. They are wrong. Yeah. But they're allowed to. 
uh, Rastan Saga. It's a bit of a mer game for me as well, but probably for, really good for the D&D crowds of nerds. Standard nerds! It's just a bit mm-hmm. of a clunky game, really. It's not bad. It's a bit boring. I played it earlier. It's a bit dull. There's a bit of a kind of a delay on when he swings his sword and, and his axes. When you get used to that, it's all right. Yeah, but it's just a bit clunky, isn't it? It is a, It is a bit clunky. It's no Rygar, which is fluent as f***. Yeah, yeah, it is better. Yeah. Road Blasters from Atari. This was this was quite good, I thought. I was, I was well into this when I was younger, not so much now. Shooting and driving. Mm, both things I don't like in games. <laughs> Shinobi. I can't believe you missed out well, Shinobi. You know what? I, I missed Iconic. It. I iconic missed Shinobi. Game. Do you know what? In my main version, I'm running MAME 64, when you go to the folder of the ROMs that says year, there is two lots of 1987. There's 1987 and 1987 question mark. And maybe that was in that other folder. I missed it. I did Could miss be. it. If I'd known Shinobi was 37, I would have put it in. Shinobi's a great game. I loved that as a kid because ninjas were awesome, weren't they? Ninjas still are awesome. Yep. Uh, Street Fighter. This is the first Street Fighter. It's not a good game. But it was sort of the inspiration for Street Fighter 2. It was the first one to Street Fighter 2. I think the actual Street Fighter 2 was going to be Final Fight. And they changed it to be a one-on-one fighter in the end. So yeah, that, yeah. that started off the massive billion-dollar industry that is Street Fighter. Cool. Super hang-on from Sega. It's just a bit of an update. To, may not may not really be on this list, but I liked it. And you've got a turbo button. Once yeah, it's a hit- boring racing game. It's quite difficult. Once you hit 280 kilometres an hour, keep your finger on that button. Whoosh! The the speed is incredible. Does it give you some va va voom? Yeah. It was, Did it you was go, ooh, va va voom? That's what I do if I sat on that machine. Thunderblade from Sega. The very weird mechanical-looking machine that you sit in. I was going to say, um, the Sega, the scaling, the sprite scaling games, mm. I don't care about any of them except Space Harrier. Because those games, oh, they, think... they were very clever for their... They are re- really ahead of their time technology-wise. And it's quite clever because then the SNES came along and that did a lot of sprite um, scaling and, and Mode 7 stuff. It's really, really cool. But I just didn't care for the games. They're either racers or shooty things, you know, or, or kind mm. of simulators, that kind of stuff. And the only one I really liked was Space Harrier because it's really quirky it's got awesome sounds. The visuals are really bizarre. And I just like the games. It's a shooter as well. I like the cab you sit in. But all the other games just didn't care for them at all. But the Thunderblade, we actually moved a Thunderblade machine in a raid in Kent that we did with that I did with uh, Mr. Phil Nes for Life and some of mm. our friends. And we did it. And it's a really heavy machine. But it's a really weird machine. You sit on it. And as you move this really heavy metal joystick, it actually shifts... If you go left, it shifts your body and you're, you're sat on this big seat to the right. Mm. And it's sort of like a mechanical thing. So as you move it, it shifts you round. It gives you a feeling of moving in a helicopter. Yeah. So they've yeah, got one at Arcade it. Club, haven't they? Well, they used not, to on have. The, not on the floor, but they've got one somewhere, I think. Yeah. Because I played it in the first Arcade Club in the smaller place they were at. And it yeah. is a bizarre game. So Twin but, Cobra, another Toa yes. Plan game, which you're quite enamoured with it's oh, yes but it's a good game but it also inspired some very very good later via seus 
vertical scrolling shoot 'em ups. Yeah. Here's like one for it. you. Zybots never really played this until this morning. A really nice 3D perspective shooter, but you need twist controls to turn your character around to face the action. You go through like mazes, and it's quite a nice little game. You can play two players. You get two little separate screens to play on. I presume you can meet up with each other, but you need to be able to, as you're going forwards and, and you strafe left and right and come back, when you go around a corner, you need to be able to twist. You've got, I think on the controller, you might have a twist on the joystick. Yeah. Or maybe even a button, I don't know. I can't remember what the, the cab looks like. But you need that. It's a really nice little game, though. Really cool Atari game. I remember it, yeah. Kind of a, a, a jerky movement to the maze. Yeah, the it, do, it does scroll quite badly, but it's the technology mm. at the time, I think. Wonder Boy in Monsterland. W-B-I-M-L. I wonder what Wibbermore was. It's quite a slow game compared to the original Wonder Boy, which you love. Uh, with RPG elements. Not bad, though. Um, these games, I think, later ones came out on the consoles. They're much more popular on the console versions. Mm. But the one I was playing was all in Japanese. So I didn't. You go to little shops and you can buy power ups and stuff. But it's quite a nice little game. Quite fun. Uh, Xenophobe. It's a daft, fun game. And I bet it's a right laugh with full three people playing at the same time. This is another Brian Colin game, isn't it? Who did yes. Rampage? Very weird. Sp- three horizontal split screen thing in it it's really silly mm. you're basically you're these little weird alien guys one, one the one i was playing with had a, had a duck head and you just go into this this area and you've got to clean up the alien scum so there's like alien rats and stuff running around the place you've got to shoot them. you've got a quota of things to kill and you can pick up guns and weapons you can punch stuff you can jump over. it's really really silly little game i've never really played before but I'd like to play the cabinet. And you see a lot of these cabinets come up for sale because no one ever wants it. It's a really yeah. horrible-looking cab. It's a really weird joysticks and stuff. But I think it'd be quite a nice thing to play with three players. Now, at the end of this, we have got some crappers, some games that weren't mm. very good from 1987 because those ones above we thought were quite nice. And the first one is Blasteroids. It's not a bad game as such, but it's easily the worst of the Asteroids games. So yeah. Asteroids, Asteroids Deluxe unofficially Space Duel, which I think was the, the Asteroids 3, which it should have been. But then it was this one, Blasteroids. It's not a vector game. It's a raster game. Two players at the same time, and you can transform your ship into different things. And you actually use a dial to turn a ship around rather than buttons. And I just don't yes. really like it very much. Never have done. The cabinets are always really cheap as well because nobody wants it. There's a, yeah, there's a weird energy thing going on. It's very hard to keep keep your energy high enough to, you know, to... There's no lives on it, you know. It's just like asteroids, but if you crash into an asteroid, I don't think you get killed, you lose energy. And you can Mm -hmm. transform your ship into three different ships. There's the fast one, which is really quick, hasn't got much firepower and got hardly any shields. You get the medium one, which has got medium of everything. And you get the heavy ship, which is really slow, but it's got good firepower and you can just knock into stuff with it. But it's, it's not a fun game to keep changing and try and do stuff and then you've got to go through different levels and you've got a bad at the end it's just it's not a very good game it's not asteroids mate it's not brilliant um i have tried to like that but no it's not as good i was playing asteroids deluxe last night it's a good game nice pocket gal this came out in 987 this is everybody's favorite test pcb everyone who's had arcade machines has had a pocket gal it's like a pool billiards type of game but i think there's nudie girls in it animated girls it's just it's rubbish you get these bootlegs for about 10 quid. And people usually buy them to hold doors open, you know, stand on to get things from tall shelves. 
and stuff like that. <laughs> it's just not very good. I come across one in the garage of the day that I nicked the EEPROMs off of just to use the EEPROMs because that's all it's worth. It actually works fine, but nobody wants to play Pocket Gal. And the other <laughs> one I found, which is absolutely awful, is World Darts. This was yeah. released in the Arcadia hardware, which is Amiga hardware. Mm. Why do they bother? It's got really nasty graphics, really crappily drawn graphics. And you control like a wobbly hand mechanic. So there was a game on the on the 8-bit computer, it's called 180, and it's a similar version of that. And you've got yeah. to sort of move the joystick around to try and keep the, the hand still, because it's wobbling around. And when you press the button, it fires the dart, and you just got to you know play darts in it. Absolutely horrible system. Nasty. Mm-hmm. I've got one in the weirdo category, Combat Hawk, a military-themed game from Sanritsu made Bank Banku Panic. And it is similar to Bank Panic. You, you scroll the level up and down, I think, in a skyscraper or something. I was going to put this in the crappy list, actually, as well. I see, did see it, yeah. Soldiers, yeah, soldiers come out the window. You've got your three buttons that you have in Bank Panic. Fire left, fire right, fire forward. But it's not as good. Because the, the three windows, you can sc- did you say you can scroll up and down as well? think so yeah the windows aren't along the same level you get like two at the top on the right and then one on the left on the bottom and it's yeah. just it, i can't believe that bank banku banku was so good and so addictive and so cool they followed it up with this rubbish it's just not very good i've tried something different with the same kind of game style but it's just not worked has it but nobody's heard of it that's how rubbish it was not good at all mm-hmm. so out of all that lot sean what would be your favourite of 1987? I would pick... I'm going to pick Twin Cobra. Oh, yeah. I, have, I haven't played it for a long time properly, but I remember loving it because it... I think, I think I was wowed by it because it had the first game with, like, you could change weapons. And it's got two Cobras in it, not just one. Watch out for snakes. Yeah, two players simultaneous, which is what Taito asked Toa Plan to do, so they did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember it being damn good shooter. I'm gonna to have to have a look at it again. But all the rest of them on that list, nothing really, nothing really floats my boat. I know there's some classics on there, but for me, I'd go Twin Cobra. What would you go for? My Vic? boat is floated by Pac-Mania. Ah, mainly nice. because it was the second cab I ever owned. Proper Pac-Mania cab. I owned one a long, 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 long time ago and sold it. And I bought another one. Uh, and yeah. sold it, and I knew it. it was the first one I had. I had the first one and sold it, and I bought it back off an arcade in Weymouth. It played it for years and years, and I swapped it with James RGP for another cab of mine that I got that I sold to him years before. So eventually, after all that, I got my little Phoenix cab back, which I always wanted back, and I'm not going to get rid of it. it's mine now. Uh, and mm. Mr. RGP's got the Pac Mania. I think the Pac Mania machine. The actual PCB inside of it is actually worth more than the machine and the PCB together. Because the PCBs for this go for 350 quid sometimes. And the right. cabs are not really that that expensive. But I love it. I'd, I'd buy... If someone offered me one for 500 quid, I'd probably buy it. And a lot of people convert them into Gallagher 88 or Splatterhouse. Because the hardware is all System 1. Atari System 1 yeah. hardware. I think you can play Splatterhouse, Gallagher 88... Pac-Mania and Martian Maze on it, and maybe some others. Right. So people usually convert it to one of those games. I would, I would convert those into Pac-Mania. Such a good little game. Really like it. It's such a cute game. A lovely cab as well. 
It's got that nice little sticky out marquee, isn't it? It has. That it's got molded, like a, a molded, molded blown plastic. plastic, yeah, with sort of yeah. knobbly Pac-Mania on it. It's really cool. Yes, right. Sean, I want you to quiz me right up. Arcade quiz time. Right, kids. It is the Mastermind Arcade Quiz. Uh, your name, sir? Victor Marland, a.k.a. Vertvig. And your chosen subject, the life and times of playwright Samuel Beckett. Two minutes. <laughs> trying to put you off. Two minutes. St- hang on, it would help. Oh, switch my phone off. Uh-oh. I wonder if I've got a timer on my laptop. Well, what a pair of crows. Hang on, I've switched my phone on. It'll take about a minute. By the time that I edit this, it's usually less than two minutes, and I don't think anyone's holding us to ransom on the time. Right, go on, I'll start then. Here we go. In 1982, Century Electronics released an Amidar-type game called Radar What? Radar something. Oh, let me just look on my MAME a minute. I don't know. I'm going to say Radar Rat Race, but I know that was a VIC-20 clone of another game. Radar Zone. Ooh! X-Men vs. Street Fighter is played on what type of hardware? CPS-2. Yeah, I thought you'd get that's a guess, yeah. Sorry, which 1980 black and white Namco game had a coffee break interlude where you'd see a pixelated lady either in a bikini or topless? 1980? 1980 black and white Namco game. Oh, I was just going to guess at Navarone. I don't think that's a Namco no. game. SOS. Oh, really? Yeah. Is that like a How bizarre. Pixelated? Yeah. The standard Electrico and Goliath black cabs use three colours on their side art and Red, white, blue. Panel. Yep, got that one. You do know I've owned them before. How many bonus points are you awarded for completing 1942? 10 million. Yep. Dingo was a 1983 arcade game written by which two famous brothers in the computer scene? Ooh, this is ultimate play of the game is it the stamper brothers yeah oh because there's two sets of brothers that run that company yeah which company produced the famous darius series taito yeah maybe too easy these what was the what year was the first time crisis released 1990 no 95 oh total guess that which 1984 game does your character run around a school classroom headbutting people mikey yeah Last one. Name one of the f- one of the series series of Namco F1 racing games that came after Pole Position. There's two series that came after Pole Position, both related. TX1. No. Is it not? No. What is it? That was sorry, I think. You can oh, even... Namco. Well, Namco. Ooh, because Pole Position was Namco released by Atari. Mm. Oh, it's Final Lap. Final lap's one of them, yeah, and Winning Run was the other. Oh, I didn't know Winning Run. So what was TX1 now? I thought that was like a pole position three. Don't know, was that not Tatsumi? Am I going mad? I don't know, it might be. I'm going to Google I'm just, that. I'm, I'm, Google it. That'll be great radio for listeners to listen to. TX1 Arcade. Yes, Tatsumi. Woo, I would have got my own question. Maybe I was thinking of a follow-up to Buggy Boy then. Something like Developed by Tatsumi, released by Atari. Mm. So, Vic, you did very well there. You got one, two, three, four, five, six out of ten. That's probably the best so far, isn't it? Yeah. I oh, made, I... Them a bit e- made them a bit easier with a couple of 
tricky ones in there. If you throw any gun game question, and I won't be able to get it. Uh, and races, you cheeky devil. Yeah. <laughs> final lap. You know, there were six final laps at least. There's six really? on name. Yeah. No, what, what final lap? One, two, three, four, five, and six? Oh, there's different final. names. There's one, two, and three. Then there's final lap R and, and other things. Final lap down the post office. Final and lap was, up the shops. There was winning run. There was three winning runs. Ooh. Nice. Featured game review. This is the featured game review. This is my pick. And it is I a th- heavy, heavy hitter. I thought we had to pick one as a as wave as an apology <laughs> for playing Zane Sneeder, which isn't terrible. It's yeah, it was. It's, it's quirky. It's got the graphics and sound right, mm. and the atmosphere, and the mm. atmosphere. Well, the atmosphere of, of just crap. Just the gameplay. Yeah, they just could have put more into it. Never mind. Never mind. Anyway, this is Bubble Bubble from Taito, nineteen eighty six. Never heard of it. It is uh, quite good. Z eighty hardware with Yamaha sound sound chips this is a two-way joystick left and right and two buttons fire bubbles and jump yeah and it sounds a bit like this kind of it does not sound i'm so glad it doesn't sound like that because i'd never play it if it sounded like that (laughs) how to play sure Yes. Tell me, how do you play Bubble Bubble? I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you how to play. Okay. Bubble Bubble is an unusual for the time platform game from Taito. And it was to be copied again and again and again. Right, track modes. I love track modes. They give you the instructions. They're fantastic. And the Bubble Bubble track mode is fantastic. It, it tells you everything you need to know in five sentences. Here we go. Trap enemies inside bubbles. Burst bubbles with horns or fins. Higher points are scored when bursting several bubbles at once. You can also jump on bubbles. A stage is cleared when all enemies are destroyed. That's it. Easy peasy. And here's some proper gameplay tips from this flyer, which is brilliant. It's really good, the back of the flyer. You ready? Mm Mm-hmm. Meet Bub and Bob, are bantamweight brontosauruses who are bent on battling big bullies by blowing and bursting bubbles. Before battling these brazen bullies, beware that bubble blowing is better than blasting bullies with bazookas or better than bouncing bombs from biplanes. (laughs) (laughs) And even beats boxing these brainless barbarians. So now that we briefly belayed the Bub and Bob biographies, begin by browsing the play instructions below and becoming the best bubble 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 blower on the Buck. That is the golf clap. That is the best use of alliteration I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, how I'm... to destroy? Uh, blow bubbles, box up bullies, then burst them. It's got a real cute little picture. We'd have to put this picture on the on the website, I think. Mm. Uh, by busting bubbles containing fire, thunder, and water that appeared in the previous stage, you can quickly destroy the bullies. Fire, thunder, and water flow in the direction in which you stretch yourself. You can even bounce on the bubbles by keeping the button depressed. Then there's a bit here with a scoring. Do you know you get 32,000 for a diamond? Yeah, it's big old points, isn't it? I think I picked a couple of them up. 16,000 for a pineapple. I'm going down to 500 for a banana. Oh, a banana. Timing targets. Clear the stage quickly. Allows for high points targets in the next stage. That's a good idea. Magic targets. Magic targets mysteriously appear. Kind of random, which a couple of people 
got on their nerves, but yeah, the sweetie ones are quite good because they give you different power weapons. Like they give you fast blowing bubbles, extra lives, uh, and this is there's so much. There are so many different power ups and speed ups and and things that affect the monsters. And there is tons on this game. I think don't think we're gonna be able to cover it all because there is a lot to work out on this game. A lot. Yeah, there's a lot of emphasis in this game on two players, and it's it's known yes. that the programmer wanted couples and just two players to play it because even when you're playing one player, there's a constant reminder of the little Bob in the right hand corner saying, "Press start, press start." Yeah, he's got a little all, sign. Yeah, you're always sort of pushed for a two-player game. So I don't think we had the best experience of the game. I think it is better with two players. I've got a feeling you can only finish the game absolutely properly with a correct ending with two players as well. Right. But this... Do you think this game was was pointed towards male and females in the arcade? It's very cutesy, isn't it? And as you said, if you play with your, your girlfriend, boyfriend or whatever, and you, play, you mm. always play cooperatively, you never play against each other, it's always together... For the good of the, mm. the two, yeah, it is. Yeah, there's. You can get the ext and the extend bubbles for an extra life, which is very Taito, isn't it? Yes. No, no, no. Um, it's very, it's very um, universal. Universal. They did. They did. Uh, it wasn't extend, was it? Was it bonus? They did. I think it was just the word Dave. Was it? It wasn't Dave. No, it wasn't Dave because they did it on Ladybug. <laughs> They do it on... It's, it is extended, isn't it? They do it on Ladybug. They do it on Mr. Do. A lot of the Mr. Do games. Mm. Ooh. Toto, <laughs> you cheating, grabbing you swines, you. you Nick their gets. ideas. Cheeky gets. Now, <laughs> the characters are one-player Bob, two-player Bob. You get Benzos, which are like clockwork little things. You get Bonnie Bows, just springy things. Boa Boas, which are like an upside-down thing that, that float about. Blubbers, which is like a sort of... Um, a blubbery fishy thing. A Boris, which I thought was called the... I thought they were the cookie monsters. Because they throw biscuits at you. That is not a wise use of a biscuit, is it? Are they biscuits? Well, they're fireballs. Oh, they're biscuits. They're actually boulders. You pair of poop flaps. They're, they're like oh. a Ku Klux Klan character that throws biscuits around. Terrible. That sounds evil. You get Bonners oh. and, and yeah. Baron Von Blubber, which is the Mr. Hurry Up. If you take too long yeah. doing a level... Baron von Blubber turns up and he chases you and he will get you in the end if you take too long you are no match for him right tips and secrets we have two strategy guides or yeah strategy guides really one from Tagster one from Neil25 to different websites cheers lads there is tons to do in this game and we're not going to do it justice because I don't think we were both mega into it were we not really. Um, the game is very, very good. It's very well programmed. And also, this is the game where Taito actually lost the source code. It was never found. It's completely gone. Mm. And subsequent versions that have come out for consoles, etc., have been rewritten because they actually lost the source code. They've still got the ROMs, obviously, for the original game. But the actual source code they made the, the programs from was lost, yeah. which is a massive shame because this is... One of their most their famous game franchises, that and maybe Space Invaders. It's got to be the most yeah. famous ones, isn't it? And and then the games that came out after this. But yeah, there's absolutely tons of this game. You've got to do... If you get a certain score on the end of your score, things happen. If you don't get killed 
um, between the start and certain number of levels. You get bonus rooms appear when you've got... I think you pick up something to get a bonus room, and then when you get certain things on one level, the next level's got a, a power-up or something. It's just tons to know on it. And I... I'm not into the game that much to learn it all. Mm. So I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm more of a casual gamer with this kind of thing. I've got my favourites, and so have you. But this game yeah. was... It's always been a good game, and I've played it on Spectrum, Commodore 64. I wish there was a version for the Atari XL. I played it in the arcade. Tons of times I've got on loads of compilations. I've always played it. never really played it two-player either, which would be quite a lot of fun to play with someone, I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's really, really good. It's cutesy. It's it's very clever. It's a very simple game. you just got left and right, because when you're travelling around the platforms, you can jump up to the platforms, but you can't jump back down again. You've actually got to fall off the end of a platform. You slow, you float quite slowly down. Yeah. And you, don't, you, you don't move that quickly while you're playing it either. You, you walk quite slowly, and when you throw it, you, you're, you're blowing the bubbles out. It's not that quick, but you can get speed-ups for both those. You can get really fast bubbles. You can get bubbles that fire stuff. You can get bubbles with... Uh, is it water in as well and, and all sorts of stuff like little yeah. lightning forks and then you can get the speed up shoes little red trainers which make you go really quick but then it's quite difficult to control the, the characters yeah but yeah it's a weird mechanic where you can jump up but you can't jump back down again you haven't got down to pull back down the level you've got to fall off the end of a level or if you go down through the bottom of a hole in the level you come at the top you scroll at the top again yeah so yeah, it's it's quite a, an art to play in the game and getting around really because some some areas on the levels you can get stuck in there and, and you can use as it says you, if you press the button down and hold the button and you can jump on the bu- the bubbles you won't burst them. Yeah, you can bounce you burst back them. out of trouble, can't you? But it is yeah. quite hard bouncing out of. Say you're you're stuck in a funnel, which level fifteen I really hate the two funnels on the side. That's where I normally get stuck. Yeah, that's when you get stuck down there. You, you've had it. You can't really get. Well, I can't get out. I'm sure seasoned players can. Mm. But the graphics and yeah. sound are really, really cutesy and colourful. Uh, the, the actual proper arcade sound it, it doesn't get old, even though it's quite repetitive. It's only got so many bars. It doesn't get repetitive. And even after I mentioned it two weeks ago, we're going to play it. The theme tune was in my head straight away. It's one of those yeah. things you always got. It's like the carnival theme tune. It gets in there and Moon Patrol. It's just it's one of those funky tunes. It just it's really re- easy to remember and it just it doesn't get annoying. I think anyway, really enjoy it. Yeah, I think I think so. They say uh, the cabinet art. It was it was just a kit, wasn't it? Or was it was there dedicated? No, don't think so. A lot of people have made their own de- dedicated cabinets. It's got such a huge following this game. And yeah. one of the thing I liked about the graphics as well, even though they're quite simple. Um, they're usually made of, of like background. It's a black background, and you have like tiles on to make the platforms up. And lots of the levels yeah. are actually pictures made of the background tiles. So my favourite ones are the Space Invader one. You've got a huge Space Invader mothership, and you've got little ships on the bottom, the things you jump on. And there's one with popcorn on it. It's like a pan with popcorn above it. Mm. And there's loads of... There's actually a really nice poster you can get. Muddy Music sells them, um, Arcade Art Shop. And it's all 100 levels on a poster. So you can look at all the different levels... It's a really <laughs> yeah. nice post. Yeah, it's a hundred levels in this to do as well. Yeah, it's, it's there is a lot to do, and it is a is a surprisingly deep game, and you can get into it as much as you want, or you just play it casually like we have. Yeah, I've played and it I very have, casually. Yeah, I've tried to like it over the years. I really have, and I thought, right, I'll pick it as a featured game, and I'll get right into it. And I just, 
I would say bored, honestly. I know we're, we're, we're going to be in the minority because we've had I think so, yeah. 100% positive feedback about this. Yeah. But I, I just got bored, honestly. The I was playing at the arcade club last night. I just yeah. didn't want to play it. I don't know what it is. I totally agree with you. It's a really, really nice game to go back to now and again. And I'm not good at it, good at it. I can get like 15, 20 levels maybe. Mm. And I think if you were really good at it and you knew what to do to get the high scores and get the bonuses and the multipliers, all this sort of stuff going on, it'd be more interesting to play. But I've got lots of other games I'd want to play more. Mm. And the thing with this game, like one of these games where you, you go into quite a lot of levels, because 100 levels in total, if you get to like level 20 and then you, you, you lose all your lives, you don't want to go back and do all those 20 levels again. I've got mm. a feeling, there, there's a continue option on it. You can turn it on in the dips. Am I right in thinking that? I don't know. I don't we know. don't, obviously, for the challenge. But I think you could you could coin through it if you wanted to, I believe. Oh, of course you can, yeah. Yeah, you can get through it. And if yeah, you play two players, when the, one, the last player's about to die, if you press two-player start and you've got credits in, you can take over as the other character and the other one will die off. And you can go through. You can eventually go through all the levels. And at the very end, there's a, there's a, a, a face-off with a boss, super drunk. He's like a really mm. big character floating around. I think you've got a... Oh god, it's a long time since I've seen it done actually on a YouTube video. But I think you got hit him with, you hit, you jump on the the lightning bubbles, and you got hit him with lightning. You can't just bubble him because he's massive, and he floats around the screen. Right. A bit of trivia on this game: the PCB of this game, which is very expensive now, even a even a bootleg's probably one hundred and fifty pounds in the UK. <laughs> so an original one's probably three to four hundred pound, I reckon. And you always know you've got an original PCB. Because a bub or a bob, they're both similar dragons, is physically etched onto the PCB. So if you find one, you find a gem, a very expensive gem. Mm. Uh, Mark Bell sent us another good little tune. I don't think we can put this on. I think there's a bit of swearing in it. But th- this is another version of Bubble Bobble. He sent that. We'll put a link in. We'll put a link in the show notes. You can go and listen to that without small ears listening. Yes, what about this then? Port sequels and legacy. This oh, is God. a bit confusing, to say the least. Go on, have a stab right, you, at it, son. Have a stab had, at it. You had Rainbow Islands, the story of Bubble Bobble 2 in 1987. Right. You had Rainbow Islands Extra Version, 1988. You had Parasol Stars, the story of Bubble Bubble 3, 1991. This was not arcade. Some people think it was but it was a very good pc engine game that looked arcade this was um subject of a thread years ago on either jammer plus or uk vac people mm. had played this in the arcade and they knew of it this is the one where you have little umbrellas mm. and i'm not sure if you you fire umbrellas or you go over the top of the characters or underneath them to to pop them but it was on pc engine and what i've actually seen i think muddy music Ollie has got one, or had one. It was a PC engine with an adapter on it to play in the arcade. It was like a jammer adapter. And that was the yeah. game that went in there with it. I'm not sure if it was in an official release or not, but it looks official. Right. So that's how you would have played it in the arcade. It's a good version of the PC engine. It's the version. Mm. You had Bubble Bubble Part 2, 1993 on the SNES and Game Boy. I think that was more like the original Bubble Bubble rather than Rainbow Islands and Parasol Stars. Then you had Bubble Bubble 2, 1994, a.k.a. Bubble Symphony, which was proper like Bubble Bubble in the arcade. Then the arcade also had Bubble Memories, the story of Bubble Bubble 3, 1995. 
and then there's been loads of hacks and re-releases people doing their own levels for it loads bubble bubble 2 bubble symphony and bubble bubble 3 bubble memories are both on taito f3 hardware it's a cartridge based machine Mm. those games are very similar um, because rainbow islands is a different game it's a platform game but it scrolls upwards and you've got to hit the the baddies with rainbows and then you jump on the rainbows to break them and the baddies get broken underneath so these games bubble symphony and bubble memories they were very similar to Bubble Bobble, where you had platforms and you you hit things. The same game, basically, but with upgraded graphics and sounds. And you'd hit... I think there was extra bosses in it as well. But you'd hit them with a bubble, burst the bubbles. But the bad thing about those games I really, really don't like is the backgrounds were colourful pictures rather than mm. black backgrounds. And you can't... It gets really busy with all the different colours and the bubbles going on. And you can't see whether a baddie is out of a bubble or it's chasing you. And it's just... It's a really busy looking game and it hurts your eyes and I just can't play Bubble Bubble 2 and Bubble Bubble 3 I don't like them at all right the original's way way better right we've had a large amount of scorers oh my lord there's the... low we've got to power through these old son at least 40 I mean, 42, 43 I'll have to have a look right we have Paul McCaskey 130 just say the thousands just say the thousands yeah 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 sure Paul McCaskey, 133,000. I have always liked this game, but I am pants at it. I'm getting an early score in. Uh, this is one of Ed Horse's workmates, Anna Horse, 139,000. John Horse, 169,000. Steve Tyke, 171,000. Never saw this one in our arcade. Seems decent enough, but 30 years disadvantage to catch up with the multi, multi million experts. <laughs> Mini missile number two, 173,000. The younger, this is mini number two, the younger lad. Uh, son of Delta Lima, 180,000. First entry, Jamie, son of Delta Lima. A solo game, too. Hey, well done. Luke Horse, 203. Uh, Chris K. June Smith, 207,000. Still one of the greats, but really shines as a co-op game. Yep, Matthew Bridge, 242,000. Only a quick go from me this week to get a score in as I'm getting married. We'll be oh. back for the next game. Congratulations, nice Congratulations Matthew. Matthew. Michael Vortman, 242,000. This brings back so sweet 60, C64 memories. What a great game. I love it. Jeremy Riley, 244. A quality game with depth and responsive controls. I'm looking forward to playing this two-player with my kids. As you should, Jeremy. Well done. Get the kids involved. Simon Anderson, 249,000. Lots of different ways to boost your score, although you wouldn't think so by judging by my score. The jumping felt a little bit off for me. Michael List, 258,000. Just to make sure I get one score in as I'll be off to see... Matthew always is going to Matthew's wedding. Who's very married by now, oh, as good. a guest. He's not. He's not a best man. He should have been best man. Mm, don't know. Shouldn't he? I met. I met them both at Arcade Club a few months back. Paul Higgins, two hundred sixty-eight thousand. First go on this. Not too bad a platformer. That's probably Ooh. the wor- that's probably the worst thing we've heard about it so far. Yeah, Ben of Steel, two hundred seventy-four. Ventured into the world of four K television this week. What glorious high def content! And what have I watched? You ask. I played a 32-year-old arcade game, badly. 4K? I'm in the 5K range with my new Mac. Mm. 5K? Yes, 5K screen. What's that, then? Is it like... It's whatever by 5,000 pixels, rather than 4,000. That's the K where the K comes in. Yeah. Nice screen. That's Apple, yeah. But it's got you on it. Mm. 
you know what'll happen with Apple? In about six months, it'll only be 4K and they'll charge you 200 quid to get it back. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Uh, Rob, play a missile. This is son of the mini, uh, dad of the mini missiles. 283,000. Only discovered this game last year. Searching for multiplayer cooperative games. The minis like cop play better and would use continues a billion quarters to finish level 100. But they're allowed. They're allowed. <laughs> this is you, Vic. Vincent Weinclaimer Marmite, 313,870. You put got bored. Yeah, only because if you play the game again and again to get a better score, you've got to do all those levels again. And they're very different because obviously if you get different bonuses, you pop them in different orders and random stuff. So it was just, you could get vastly different scores every time you played it, depending on what weird power-ups and bonuses you got. And if you know mm. how to trigger them, you can really ramp your scores up, which obviously some of our players did. Mm. Rob Carpenter, 318,000. Double bubble trouble. Really enjoying this. It's challenging. No two games are the same. As I've just said. Mm. Shane Shooty Pants Hollister, that's me. Oh, you only just beat 000. me. Let me just yeah. give you In your game. face, Vic. I haven't said it for ages, have I? In your face. In your face. Yeah, 320,000. You put got bored, I put so did I. Mm. Buller, 321,000 dead. Quick score before the deadline. Love this game, but don't know any of the secrets. The pod will encourage me to find out, I'm sure. Or not. <laughs> Stay, we've not done it justice this, have we? Because we've not had the Yeah, but it's one of those games. I know, I know it's brilliant and everything, but you need a lot of time, like Donkey Kong, to learn the rules and play it. But Donkey Kong's got four levels and certain skill sets. Well, this game has got a hundred levels. There's good and bad ways of doing each level. There's ways of getting huge scores. There's ways of getting bonuses. There's unlockable secret screens and just loads of stuff. You're not going to learn that all in two weeks. No. Yeah, Stacey King, 323,000. Used to play the the crap out of this between 89 and 92 on the ST, which is a superb conversion. The music is going to drive the wife insane. He says with a with a fork sticking out of his head. Andrew Driver, <laughs> 364,000. Not got the patience to learn the secrets. Great game, though. Can certainly see why it gets much love. Just exactly what I've just said. Mm. Mr. Flinster, Paradise Games, 409,000. Hope to do a lot better when I get some time on my real cab. A SNES controller just isn't the same. Oh, shame on you. Carl Parry, 454,000. Love and bubble bubble at the moment. Ben Banasic, cool name that, 456, pretty good game, but the random power-ups can be frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Tin Bob, 492,000, no chance of getting anywhere near Charlie Farr. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Nick Silversmurfer, 505, not had much time to get a decent score, but nonetheless a stone-cold classic, enough said. This is Matt Neo MK, 509,000. Stonewall Classic, let's have the must-have-another-go feel. Even if you're not a platform fan, you can't but like this game. Bring on Rainbow Islands and Parasol Stars. No. <laughs> he is Jimmy, 519. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of depth to this game. Had a look on Strategy Wiki and my head melted. Ooh. Yeah, I didn't even look there, to be honest with you. I will have a look at it, though. It sounds interesting. Ah, Sol. Here we go. 520,000. I hear there's a biscuit bubble bubble spin-off in the works. Starting two biscuit dragon chocolate club and nom nom. BS, <laughs> I ate levels 13 and 14. <laughs> Salberg, hi Sal. 615,000. Thanks to your 
really grown to appreciate this super game of the last couple of weeks with a fun gameplay, cute, colourful graphics and very addictive music. Ian Collins, 762,000. Great game, but can't be bothered learning the high score secrets. Well, you've got high score enough without learning them, son. Yeah, he's in well, any. Tactical Giles, 798. Before this week, I'd have honestly never played this game, and now it's in my top five. So much to learn, you feel like you can improve every time. The epitome of a perfect arcade game. Mm. Alan Delta Lima, 922,000. I loved this game as a kid, but it always got my first and last 10p in the local arcade. Oh, Phil mm. Horse. Lordy. 950,000. Right. We're in the Million Club now. The first Million Clubber, Neil 20 to 5. I'm just playing. Massive smile on my face. At 10 pence arcade and at Sean Holly. Bloody brilliant. Awesome game, chaps. You guys are redeemed. From what? Selena. Oh, we didn't do that. It was nothing to do with us. Anyway, he's, he's done a very good blog on his arcade garage. I read that earlier. Yeah. That this morning. Check that yeah. out, kids. Nice one, Neil. Good luck with that. Neil's arcade garage. And can he do one for me, please? I do need a garage building, but I'm sure he can work that out. Mm. Anyway, Brian Harry, though. 1,117,000. Such a joy to play. And like last week, I don't breathe fire. I breathe soap. Ben Granville, 1.4 million. Perfect. The game, not my score. I used to be better. That's a good score, Ben. Yeah. Mr. Charlie Fire himself, 1.47 million. Iconic game. Loses quite a bit, though, when played solo. I'd agree mm. with that. Ed Horse, the man himself, 1.8 million. Love this game. Was playing two-player around 1989 on my 64. And my dad was burying the family dog. Sorry, Dad, I didn't have time. We are nearly on level 50. Oh, you bad man. <laughs> well, the dog was dead, wasn't it? Mm. Perhaps I want to say some prayers or something. No. Dave, dog, beloved no. no. Oh, yeah. Mark, happy dude. 1.9 million. Okay, it's official. I do not like level 42. There's there's quite a few comments about level 42. Building a bridge to your heart. Was that level 42? No. That was wax. Stupid boy. Think so. Mm. Oh, not that kind of level 42. No. <laughs> I get there with a crap score and clear it easy without dying. I get there with a decent score and die, die, die. Uh, Mr. Trollnads, he's in the 2 million club, the first entry to 2 million club. 2,117,090, to be precise. Level 42 is our indeed crappy. So that must be the the nasty level 42. Mm. Tagster, 2,625,000. I was live streaming this game. You should see the video on my previous post. Yeah, he's, he's actually live streamed that game that he got that score on. Oh, nice one. Chris mm. Mooncrest, a bootleg, also a good player on this. 2.633 million. About time we had a good game. Many, many rage quits went into achieving this score. Ooh. Every so often he comes along, I was talking to him last night, he comes along and does an amazing score like Upoko or I think Solomon's Key was another one he completely thrashed. Mm. And there's a certain style of game he really likes. Mm. Anyway, Mark Bell has won this with a fantastic 2,720,140 points. Forgot how hard this game was. I used to 1cc it back in the day, but not anymore. One of my favourite games of all time. Do you know someone who can 1cc this? No. Ollie Muddy Music. He was the world champion on this. I thought it was Rainbow Islands he was good at. He's also good at this. I've seen him do this game before at one of the old... 
arcade barn do's. He actually completed mm. it. And I got, I'm not sure it's this or Rainbow Islands where he was overtaken because when you get up to 9,999,999, that's, mm. that's as high as you can get. You can't beat that. I think a certain, a certain number of people have done it. It might be Rainbow Islands I'm thinking of, but he was the world champion of this. Not sure if he still is, but he's very good at this. I'm surprised he didn't get a score in for us, actually. Too busy mm. printing artwork out. Yeah, right. So my summary of this game... Before you do that, yes. what did you play it on as a kid? I played it on the Spectrum and the Commodore 64. I don't think I played it, you know. Really? Yeah. I loved... I got a feeling... I'm sure the corrections robot will kick in if I do it wrong, but I got a feeling the 64 and the Spectrum version had two-player games on them, which was amazing at the time. Right. The Spectrum version was obviously monochrome, but the 64 version was colour and a lot chunkier, but still very, very good with the music as well. Here's my summary, right? This is undoubtedly a classic. People love it. It is a great two-player game. It is perfection for many, but for me, it would be a bit better by being able to steer the dinosaur more when he's falling, a bit more of a swerve on the little baby, yeah. a bit more, a bit like Bomb Jack, see, and by being able to pop the bubbles containing the enemies immediately, even if you're not on, you know, they don't hit your spikes, like Bomb Jack with a power-up when he does that yeah. and I find a lot of the levels far too cramped with tiny spaces maybe they should open them out a bit more a bit like a bomb jack level see a theme here Vic mm. hang, hang on bubble bomb jack anyone no I think I, I, I yeah no but I'm never gonna I'm never gonna love it I know it's brilliant but it's just not for me yeah I understand what you're saying the thing about this game as well, it is the original, and I think the best, out of all the games it spawned. As mm. I said earlier, the Bubble Symphony and Bubble Memories I don't like because the backgrounds are too busy and you can't really play it. It's a very similar game, though. It, obviously, it's the true sequels to it. But yeah. the Rainbow Islands game, I, I just hate the mechanics of a game. I really don't like it. It's a lovely-looking game. It's really cutesy with sweets and colourful things and rainbows and two little kids and you've got these little caterpillar baddies and stuff. Everything's really cute in the game, but I absolutely hate playing it. I cannot get the rhythm to that game. You need a rhythm to play that game. I hate it. I think so Parasol I played, Stars I is similar. quite a bit. Did you? On the Amiga, yeah. I, I quite like Rainbow Islands, but I think... Never liked it. I think it was more because it was a really polished game and... Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. a really nice-looking game. It plays really well, but I physically can't play it. I don't like it at all. I think Parasol Styles was similar. But this also spawned off games like... Um, well, very similar kind of game is Snow Brothers. And then you've got mm. Tumble Pop, and then a ton of Korean and Chinese and Japanese copies of that certain game. But See, it was sort I didn't like, like Snow Brothers. I thought that I liked that better than this. Oh, I don't. I don't at all. Snow Brothers is a weird-looking game. I don't like the mechanics on it at all. I like this one better and probably the best out of all those kind of games. And this mm. came after, was it Pop and Chack was the first game to this? Yeah, there was. Which of... introduced the, the characters, some of the characters to this game, and then this obviously expanded on it. It's, it has a massive history, this game, which we haven't really gone into that well. But yeah, I'm the same with you. I like to play it now and again, but I get to a certain level... And I, I can't really progress further than that. If I put a bit more research into the levels, I could probably do it. But then it takes you so long to get back up to that same level again. I, I want to play something mm. different, you know? 
I do yeah, like just... it and I do appreciate it. And it's probably a good game to play on stuff like a Game Boy or a DS or something as well, with two screens. And it is a great yeah. game, but I've not got as much enthusiasm as a lot of our listeners, I don't think. Me neither. It's weird, really. So, like, Donkey Kong. I know that's incredible. How but dare I you? Just, get out. I just, I just can't get into it. I know it's all right. I play it every now and then. But I'm never going to love it, you know. It's one of those games like this that if you're good at games, you've got very good dexterity, good reactions, good eyesight, good, you know, with your hands. It's not a game you really get on with. You need to know the rules and, and where the multipliers are and the bonuses to get good at it and know how to do the levels. Same as Donkey Kong. If, you can, if you're good with your eyes and you know when things are going to... and you can control things and you can sort of learn the rules and play the game properly, you can do really well at it. And like with the thing with the two, the, ba- the you know the bouncing barrels on on the on the springs level, if you can get round that, you can probably do very well in the game. But if you can't do that mm. certain thing, or you just can't get it, you won't do it. And I think that's the same with this game. And I just don't really get it. Mm, you could be right, but still good, still good. So it's a strange kind of thumbs up from us. Yeah, of- it's definitely a thumbs up, but not yeah. something I'd want to play forever and I'd like to watch someone playing it really well that's interesting to see you mm. know, how they get the bonuses and also found if you get the early bonuses on especially the fast bubble blowing the game is a lot easier but also when you die you lose your power ups which is a bummer mm. for me I hate that in the game especially if you got really far in it because there's, there's yeah. I think there's bonuses in this game if you get a certain amount of levels without losing a life, you get either a massive power-up or a massive bonus, I can't remember, or maybe even a secret screen, I can't remember. But if you do like, lots of levels without losing a life, which is hard work, you do get the big bonuses for that. Mm. So the better you are, the higher you'll get with bonuses, obviously, as well. Mm. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I think it can be very rewarding, but not for me. Anyway, there's been lots to do with this game. You can buy toys, characters, posters. It's one of Taito's decent properties as well. And I like yeah. seeing anything with Bubble Bobble on. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah, they are good little characters. They're lovely looking things. Lovely They're looking dra- things. Dragons or dinosaurs? They're dragons, are they? Bit of both, really. Dragon dinosaurs. Yeah. They're not real, Sean. They're not real. But they are. Are they like animated? Like, Well, yeah, ish. They're quite flat, yeah. 2D things. Do you want um, to know what I'm going to pick? For next time's game. Next show's game. Yeah, no, because I know, I know you. You know what it is, but I wrote in the show notes early on and didn't tell you. I put World Cup ninety. Tecmo, yeah. Tecmo, <laughs> and you were like, "How are we going to do that? How do you score that as a football game?" And I was like, "Don't be stupid. You know, I hate football. We'll never do a football game on this. We'll never do a football <laughs> game. If the listeners really want us to do a sports game, I'm going to have to bow out for that podcast and let someone else do it because I cannot play sports games." Mm. awful hate them so the next show's game is an old one is it 1982 something like that something like that lad and it is Jungle King by Taito the ROM is Jungle K Uh, lives 3 extra lives at 10,000 you do have to change these settings, they're not standard settings. I've made them so they're more fun settings. So you get extra lives at 10,000, and you get the finish bonus as a timer times one. 
And there, there is an infinite lives cheat on there you can churn on. Do not use that. Do not cheat. Right. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. It's a bizarre game and quite fun. I have played a little bit of it recently because it is an arcade club. I played this a ton as a kid, which we'll talk about on next time's podcast. Um, submit your score on Twitter with hashtag Tempe score or on Facebook as a comment on our podcast post. Pictures, please. Send us an email. Anything you like, just get in contact. We'd like to hear from you. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks' time. Yeah, come and say hello to me at NERG, NERG 6 in Gateshead in Newcastle, as we mentioned earlier, on the 14th and 15th of July. There will be an unveiling of a special project I and two other guys have been working on for almost a year. And <gasps> it is it's nearly complete. Big Phil's been sending me videos of it working. Ooh, so, nice. So, yeah, we will. Yeah, come and see Nerg. Come, come to Nerg. It's fantastic, and there's this there as well. And if you can't get to Nerg and you're going to Steve Bonehead's meet in Bedford, you'll see me there. See you later. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. That was a weird goodbye. You can download or play the podcast, read all the show notes, and leave feedback at www.10pencearcade.co.uk. You can email me at vertvic at 10pencearcade.co.uk. You can also reach us on our Facebook page. You can tweet me at Tenpence Arcade and you can tweet Sean at Sean Holly. We'd love to hear from you for game suggestions, arcade pickups and stories or any of your personal thoughts on anything we may have covered. 